Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. I'll have Lord Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up on today's show, we're going to be joined by Nick Cousin of KVRR in Fargo, North Dakota. We're going to get Nick's analysis of Trey Lance, talk all things NFL Draft, also the FCS playoffs, and more when Nick joins us. And we'll also get his thoughts on the uh, Kansas football coaching search as well when uh, Nick Cousin, my old uh, college buddy, stops by making his uh, return to the Jones Sport Plus. We'll have Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. And as always, we'll end the show with our Tom Fullery story of the week. Big show ahead. Thomas Bridges is here. KB, how we feeling? You know, feeling pretty good. Um, getting closer, all bit closer to my somewhat 75 hard that I started on March 1. I got about, oh, pretty much two weeks left. So, John Miss Cinco de Mayo, Jones. You're in a new town. Are you gonna? Are you, are you doing Cinco de Mayo this year? Oh yeah, I'm. I'm doing Cinco de Mayo. I. Uh, What's your? Is, are you frozen or on the rocks, Margarita? I'm trying to live through vicariously through you this next Wednesday. I am a. I. I, I, I might have missed two of the biggest drinking holidays. I'm definitely a frozen margarita guy. I don't mind it on the rocks. But give me a frozen margarita and put uh, sugar on the rim, not salt, and you got my life. Are you – I'm trying to think. Are you uh, traditional flavor or you go for, like, strawberry, mango? That's what I'm saying. I, I'll go with the lime. Usually give me a traditional flavor. I think we've talked about in the past – didn't we do a segment once about how to make a perfect margarita? We might have to bring it back. I guess next by the time, yeah, by the next next show we're gonna do it will be single day mile when we're recording it at least. <laughs> oh man, I like. We single- might have to swap places. Maybe you'll be tipsy on the show. Maybe so. Maybe so. Who knows? Um, single day mile. One of my favorite traditions is single day mile, which I will not get to partake in this year. Tom, I would go to Sporting Kansas City games uh, for a couple of years where they happen to fall on Cinco de Mayo and, you know, get Liddy in the pregame with all the, the soccer fans and, and uh, then enjoy some soccer afterwards. That was a great way to partake in uh, that fine holiday. I mean, you're not too far away. I don't, I mean, I suppose you'll probably work in the morning and, but, Obviously, you have to record this show with so Well, Sporting's not playing on Cinco de Mayo this year either. So hmm. that is true. Maybe uh, go to the is your is Omaha's local soccer team started up? The uh, Union Omaha, yes, they have. FC Tulsa just started up. Man, it's you know you know it's weird. You know, obviously we have the NFL draft. By the time you listen to it, it'll be tonight, but. After that, I mean, we're kind of – I mean, you have the NBA draft, but that's not going to be later on until this year. Anyway, we're going to go into like a three-month stretch here where it's just going to be you, – you know you know, it's weird when you hear us start off the show with soccer. You know what time of year we're in. It's that downtime of the year when we got time to fill and talk about other things. Um, yeah, I mean, fortunately, we got the NBA playoffs coming up pretty soon. 
uh, that, that'll give us something good. But I'm excited about this NFL draft this weekend. Tom, I got to work during the draft, and I'll be you know covering it remotely and such. But you best believe I'm going to watch the very first pick to the very last pick of the draft. Like, I'm fully invested to watch this thing from start to finish. I don't know where your investment is time-wise, but – uh, I will nerd out and watch that thing from beginning to end. In fact, I'll take it even a step further. I've already begun scouting the uh, top players for the 2022 NFL draft, and I've already composed my list of best quarterbacks for 2022. So that's where I'm at as far as the draft goes. I- I've-, I've geeked out already. You know, I mean, obviously the Rams don't play – in the first round for the last, I think maybe this is the fourth year in a row. They won't have a, a first round pick, or at least it seems like. Um, so, you know, and the Chiefs obviously won't have a first round um, anyways because of the Orlando Brown trade. But, you know, when it gets to that, something like that, it's like, well, now you just want to hopefully see an OSU player go first round, whether that be Tevin Jenkins or, I, Tylen Wallace, Chuba Hubbard, I mean, those guys maybe not in the first round, but I would say Tevin Jenkins is probably going first out of that. But you you root for your college at that point. Um, just I would you know, argue the first round. that the draft is just as much about the colleges as it is about the NFL teams. You know how much these colleges market and pride themselves based on how well their guys do in the draft? I mean – the way you recruit guys is you say, hey, we are this uh, pipeline to the NFL, and we're going to get you there. Here's how many guys we've had go to the NFL. Here's how many guys we've had do it at this position. Do you recognize this player? Oh, yeah, he went to our school. I mean, this is it's vital for these teams. I look back. You know, there, there was a few years ago where the Big 12 had less players drafted than the American Athletic Conference did. I think that was back in, like, 2017. And that was kind of a wake-up call of sorts. Like, hey, you know, I mean, uh, this isn't right. Things aren't going well right now. I mean, you uh, you got to get it right. You, you have to prepare your players for the league. Um, winning championships, you know, the conference level, the national championship level is one thing. But the ultimate goal for these guys is to get that name called. And one of the things I love, too, about draft night in these next days ahead is these guys that come from these situations when they were told that they couldn't do it, that, you know, every obstacle was in their way, and they found a way to persevere and get through, get out of the projects and get to the National Football League and get that paycheck, get their family out of a rough situation. I mean – that's what it's all about. I mean, yeah, and, and even some local guys, obviously, in the past couple of years, you saw Josh Jacobs get to the league and, and his story, you know, coming from essentially being homeless uh, to being one of the best running backs in the league. Uh, just, you know, that's obviously local here. Um, but, I mean, that happens, you know, everywhere. And so it is kind of cool to see you know, some of these stories and, and some of the stories are just, you know, insane. If you think about, I mean, just come from nothing and like a, just a come up story. Uh, those are always pretty cool. And, and, 
the the NFL on you know on the broadcast usually does a pretty good job of of highlighting the you know the coolest you know stories whether that be come from nothing or just interesting stories and so I'd always I always like to see that and and I pay attention to those a lot. Oh yeah, I mean, and you got all these networks now broadcasting the draft from ABC to NFL Network to ESPN. Um, you know, and they're all doing it in their different ways. And you got one network that's got, you know, Mel Kuyper Jr. By the way, this, is Mel Kuyper Sr. a thing? Like, can we just call him Mel Kuyper at this point? Um, you know, Todd McShay, Daniel Jeremiah, you know, Charles Davis. I, I got through watching uh, Biden have his uh, address to Congress a few moments ago, and it got me thinking, actually, doesn't feel like the NFL draft is like the state of the union or something of the NFL. I mean, with as much coverage as there is around it from all areas with all 32 teams represented and involved and, and the future of their franchise at stake there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you mentioned, you mentioned the Mel Kuyper jr. And, and senior too. And I was going to say that who, who is, why does he even go by? I mean, obviously his dad's the first one, but his dad is not famous. His dad never did anything significant. But he never even talks about his dad. I've not heard the man mention his dad one time. I mean, I'm of the belief, Tom, no matter how famous your dad is, after 30 years old, you should probably drop Junior from your name. Just just go by whatever your name is. If you were, would you drop Junior from your name if you were Charlie Junior? If I was Charlie Jones Junior, uh, I would just go by Charlie Jones. Yes. Would you ever name your kid after you? Absolutely. Would there be a Tyler Junior? No chance. No chance in hell. <laughs> no. We're we're not a pro Junior. No, I'm not. And you know, one of our buddies is is Michael Tyree the second, and you know Tyree he hates it. He, he's like, no, I don't want to be that the, the second. You know, I mean, um, just too long. You know, and carrying on the names and all that. I mean, you take away from that person having their own identity. I mean, here is freaking Mel Kiper. No one knows who his dad is, and we have to refer to him all the time as Mel Kiper Jr. No, 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 he's Mel Kiper. Yeah, I mean, I guess it, at this point it rolls off the tongue, does it not? Mel Kiper Jr. here. Right. I mean, if, what if it was Todd McShay the fifth? <laughs> you know, that just doesn't work. I, You know what would be really funny if he wasn't actually a junior? If that was just a facade the whole time, just because it sounded good. <laughs> that sounds like an I-team investigation. Is Mel Kuyper Jr. really, is that his real name, Mel Kuyper Jr.? Does he have a, he has a Twitter. Maybe that'll be if they take questions. I got followed by a Twitter account not too long ago called Mel Kuyper Sr. It was a parody account of Mel Kuyper. Really? Did you follow him back? I don't think so. Maybe I should. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, us verified folks, we don't have much time for those internet peasants out there, but, you know. I guess not. I, I might have to follow Mel Kuyper Sr. Yeah. You know, I did see, and maybe you mentioned it, maybe I'm tripping, uh, but 
I realized Dave Portnoy is not. He's not on there. Oh, he he he, uh, he refuses verification. He's been offered it, but he won't accept it. He he says that being unverified as a man of the people is what he needs to do. That he needs to represent the wild west of the internet. That's such a that is such a Dave answer. <laughs> Is, is he gonna? Do you think he's gonna be at the All Star race? That would be cool if Dave was. I don't think so, not as far as I know. But we're planning on being there. That'll be a lot of fun. Maybe we'll have to do a, a concession stand pizza review. I think that could be done. Um, there's a water burger in and in and out across the street from the racetrack. I've been to that in and out. Have you? I have. It's been a while since I've had in it. Well, I say that. I take that back. July, when I went to Arizona and all that, when I went to Vegas. But there's – what's – I'm trying to think. Omaha, they don't have a Whataburger. Not yet. Um, no, we got your favorite place no here. Out. Culver's. Oh, that's a sin. <laughs> <laughs> we we have to be now a, a pro Whataburger. We've always been a pro Whataburger podcast. Let's be real. But now Whataburger writes our paychecks. So very much so. We have to be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're not joking. They literally do. Thanks to that other show. Uh, Let's Go Racing with David Starr, which you should also uh, subscribe to Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Uh, <laughs> but yes. Um, speaking of which, on that show, we're going to have Mario Andretti on next week. So there's a tease why you should listen to the other show as well. It's also produced here. But nonetheless, uh, the NFL draft, uh, you know, b- besides Mel Kuyper, wondering if Mel Kuyper Jr. is his real name. Uh, did you ever watch that Kevin Costner movie, Draft Day? I mean, it was terrible. Wasn't it? That wasn't anything close to what the draft's like. Yeah, I thought it was absolutely terrible. So uh, that was corny just uh, as, corny as hell. No, I like I like the Drake song "Draft Day." <laughs> yeah, I mean, and there's two people I like. I like Kevin Costner. I like Jennifer Gardner, but the writing of that movie was just atrocious. I agree. Yeah, it was not. It was a. I feel like it was one of those movies that's put together so quickly that they're just like, okay, we can make a quick buck off this. No one's going to say anything. We can I'm do, here to tell you that we're saying something. We can do an NFL movie and bring in these big names and get away with it. And they, they kind of right. They kind of did get away with it, really. I mean, yeah, they did. And it's uh, uh, they didn't get past you and I, though. No, no. We didn't stand for that nonsense. Um, so with the draft, Trevor Lawrence uh, will be the number one pick headed to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, it, it feels like, Tom, that the draft doesn't really begin until we get to about that third pick when San Francisco, which we still think is going to be Mac Jones. But it, it, the, the first two picks are so obvious and set in stone. It might not even be worth turning on until like pick number three or four. See, the funny thing is, you always get that ESPN update, 
and it says, with the number one pick, the jazz that you're going to get it tomorrow or today, depending on when you're listening. Uh, it's the ESPN is going to pop up on your phone if you have the notifications turned on, and it's going to say, with the number one pick in the NBA or in the NFL draft, Jags select Trevor Lawrence, and it's like, why? Why even waste it? We already know. Why even waste? Update me if they don't take Trevor Lawrence. Why even send me the push notification? You know, send me send right. Send me the notification if they don't take him. (laughs) That's that's news. That will catch my attention. You know, and you think about that. The the football heads out there that like to you know the the Woges and the and the Adam Scheffners. Who's going to be the first one? I always like to see that. Who leaks it early? Or who's the first one to get the tweet out? You think that's already saved in the drafts? Yeah. I mean, uh, also, what I look at too, Tom, is uh, these networks are not allowing their guys to tip the picks off ahead of time. Adam Schefter and Chris Mortensen and such can't put those picks out there right away. So you got to go follow, like, you can't, even uh, Ian Rappaport, NFL Network can't. So I got to go find, like, wherever Jason Lockenfora of CBS, who's just a total nerd, by the way. Um, I got to find him or, I don't know, somebody uh, like, uh, you know, Jay Glazer or something to actually find out what the picks are uh, if I want to know ahead of time. Uh, I'm okay with the insiders tipping off the picks ahead of time. If you don't like it, don't follow. I mean, it's like less than one minute. It's like, come on. I mean, sometimes it's more than that, but not really. And, you know, I'm usually doing something, and I'm just kind of – obviously, tomorrow night I'll be – tonight, whenever you're listening, I'll be hosting karaoke. So, um, you know, I'll probably pay attention a little bit, but I mean, I can see it all on a list or roll through Twitter a couple times and know uh, that should be an Olympic event. Who can get the tweet off faster? But you know, they have them already saved in the drafts. Like they probably have like seven, I don't know, not seven, maybe four different, you know, with the third pick in the NFL draft, San Fran Niners pick such and such ready to click and, and send. Should I put out a tweet right now, Tom, that says, uh, per sources, Trevor Lawrence is the uh, pick of the Jacksonville Jaguars, number one overall? <laughs> yeah, do you, you might as well. I mean, I wonder who's the earliest that said, has, has put out like an official. Put out that tweet and then like say first report and, and, and force everyone else to uh, give me credit for it. Or I put your name in there. <laughs> All of a sudden, the ESPN bottom line says uh, Trevor Lawrence to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Tyler Jones, first to report. Yeah, and that would be something. Can you imagine if that had to be like a legality thing? I mean, now that you're verified, you have a little bit more, you know, footing. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can just sue. You have a bigger, a, a bigger leg to stand on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um we'll, we're gonna talk plenty of the draft when uh when Bo stops by but i, I do want to get tom's thoughts here uh of those top tier players who, who do you like the most who, who is a not even necessarily the best but who is a personal favorite of yours of that top tier guys 
that we've been talking about here that'll get selected tomorrow night, Dom? Honestly, and, and you know, there's differing opinions, but I like Devontae Smith a lot. A lot, a lot. And he even came out and said some people were talking about, you know, where he was going to go. And, you know, he, he talked about his weight and, and being kind of a smaller guy. And he's like, listen, we're not bodybuilders. We're football players. And I was like, you're damn right, Devontae Smith. Talk your talk. Your talk. You know, go out and get drafted and prove them all wrong. Now, I, and I like Jimmy too. Uh, I really I like the whole group of wide receivers. I don't think out of that like you know five or six top guys, I don't think there's a bad choice. Oh yeah, I really don't. I think, I think we'll look back at this class, you know, in like I don't know five years and be like, it was a solid wide receiver draft class. I mean, oh, look at last year's draft. Remember when you had uh, you know Jerry Judy. And Henry Ruggs, CD Justin Jefferson, Justin Jefferson, and we're like, all these guys are good, and you can't go wrong with any of them. And and uh, sure enough, almost all of them had good rookie years. Jalen Rager was was injured for a bit; he didn't play that great, but there's still some a lot of promise for what Jalen Rager brings to the table. Um, but I, I feel the same way with, with this year's class when it comes to receivers. I mean. Kyle Pitts, I think you pretty much just have to look at as a wide receiver. Now, one of the things I've talked about, and Bo and I have had these conversations too in, in recent weeks, is that what the NFL has gotten wrong when it comes to evaluating and comes to the draft is the tight end position. Look at some of your most notable tight ends in football right now. Um, whether it's Rob Gronkowski or Travis Kelsey the list goes on and on. Most of those guys, Greg Kittle, you know, George Kittle's great. Another example. Yes. George Most of those Kittle guys side, yeah. were day three picks. And it's because that the league is not doing a good job of evaluating the tight end position, not putting enough emphasis on tight ends and how good they really are. And now you got a guy like Kyle Pitts, who I think is phenomenal and, you know, is worth being a top five pick as a tight end. And there's some folks out there like, mm, I don't know if it's worth spending a top five pick on a tight end. Kyle Pitts plays like a receiver. I mean, you should have no problem picking a tight end that high to begin with based on my moral compass, um, which everyone should be living by anyway. But also <laughs> just the fact of the – the talent level, if, if look at him like a wide receiver, he plays like it, he just happens to block too. I love the idea. I have, if, if Atlanta gets him at four or if it goes, you know, in that top 10, whatever it may be, somebody's getting themselves a future all pro tight end or wide receiver, whatever you want to call him, Kyle Pitts. I don't think you can miss on. I like him. I like Devonta Smith. I don't see why he's, he's slipped. You know, I mean, he was talked about as being a, a guaranteed top, you know, six pick just a few weeks ago. Now I've seen some boards have him as low as 13 or 14 here. I mean, you know, Jalen Waddle, Jamar Chase. I mean, these guys are loaded. These dudes can play. I, I'm, I'm excited for all of them, but Kyle Pitts in particular, Tom, I, I want to see him kind of prove some people wrong and say, you know what? You can, you can win with a tight end with a high draft pick that, that, uh, 
kind of kind of prove some doubters wrong of some sorts here. They kind of kind of stick it to them for what they've missed on. Well, yeah, and that's the thing too. You would think he would get a little bit more play, just because look at the two Super Bowl teams this last you know this past Super Bowl. I mean, Gronkowski and Kelsey, two you know of the top tight ends, and and both and in the last you know Super- maybe not Gronk so much anymore. But the offense, more or less, they they are a huge part of it. And, you know, whereas some other teams, they don't really use tight ends or they don't, you know, aren't, aren't big on tight ends. And maybe that is the key to victory. And it has been for the Chiefs. And obviously it's been for Tom Brady and Gronk forever. So maybe I don't know how people aren't hitting more so on that. I mean, let, let's let's – remember this show and talk about wherever Kyle Pitts goes watch that team be in the Super Bowl in three or four years yeah and rightfully so um I'll be rooting on Kyle Pitts uh you know and and these guys it's gonna be fun Jamar Chase Tom uh you know we'll talk about Puka Williams later with Bo but you want to talk about Jamar Chase as far as how far he's come at one time, Jamar Chase was a uh, verbal commit to the University of Kansas to play football. And now, full circle, here he is uh, about to be a top five pick and uh, won a national championship with LSU, didn't play all last year, set out because of COVID, and uh, is going to be a very rich man. That's one of those where it was – at the time, no one really thought that it was really going to hold true that he was actually going to go to Kansas. But now I still think back kind of one of those uh, what-if type deals. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Can you imagine what if? Because, you know, who, who knows if, if they'd have the quarterback to get it to him or not. But, uh, yeah, that would be that would have been definitely interesting to see. Carter Stanley playing pitch and catch with uh, – <laughs> with Jamar Chase, that would have been something. I bet he wishes he would have had Jamar Chase. <laughs> oh, man, if only, if that would have happened. Um, we, we'll talk, you know, local guys, you know, guys that you know we cover in the Big 12 and such. And, and uh, I mean, I would say that the, the Big 12 and the, you know, Oklahoma-type guys, you know, here – this is well represented for uh, for what is available this year. You know, Zayvon Collins at Tulsa, I think, is a future all-pro linebacker. He's going to be fun to watch. Somebody's getting themselves a gym. Creed Humphrey is going to be phenomenal. Uh, never gave up a sack in his time at OU. Was uh, great at center. He's going to be able to play guard. Uh, you mentioned Tevin Jenkins at OSU. He's going to play tackle at that next level and be, you know, a 10-year-plus starter in the league. Um, I mean, you, you go on down the line, you know, uh, you know Stevenson, the OU running back, is going to be picked later, you know, probably day two, maybe day three. Um, you know, Tylen Wallace is going to be a steal for somebody. I mean, there, there's some good players. Are they – the talents that we talked about of these SEC talents, I mean, you, you look at it, there's going to be, you know, uh, about, what, five SEC players picked in the top ten. No, it's not that. But they are well-represented, nonetheless, for 
for the for the guys we covered and that we saw for a while. Yeah, and and you know, obviously the SEC bias is there, and I know they do put out good talent, but uh, you know, it's it's uh, you know everyone else battles to get as many people. You know, everyone's shooting for second essentially. Uh, if you're a college you know, or whatever conference you're in, if it's not the SEC. You know what always gets me riled up, though? The, the people that talk about, hey, we have all these players from our conference going to the NFL, and you usually see it's like the SEC teams like Arkansas. That's like, we got all these players from our conference going to the NFL draft. We got the last person I can tell you that was any decent from Arkansas that went to the NFL draft and was good. Darren McFadden. Uh, you know, I hate to pick on Arkansas, but that's the one I'm most familiar with. Um, but you always see those schools that are like, oh, our conference had this many. I'm like, well, how many did your school have? Right. <laughs> and it's like, uh, wait a, just a second. Like Vanderbilt, the only reason they're only in the SEC is uh, just to carry the academic weight for the rest of the league. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Right. And I mean, it's like, oh, my gosh, like, come on. Even, you know, even Tennessee can get the smoke. Oh, granted, Kentucky has been there. You know, Kentucky. I mean, what's Kentucky done? I mean, they've had a couple of good seasons, but I can't name a Kentucky guy in the NFL right now. Uh, they had Josh Allen get drafted last year. The, the guy, the defensive back that also carried the same name as the uh, quarterback from uh, the Bills. Yeah, right. I mean, he's the lesser of the Josh Allens. <laughs> he's a good player. He was a, like a top 10 pick, but yeah, he's the I other. Mean, okay, I'll give it to you. But yeah, he's the I'm other Josh Allen. Yeah. No one circles the NFL draft like Josh Allen. <laughs> he is Josh Allen Jr. <laughs> oh, there you go. That's it. There's a better Mel Kuyper somewhere that's not even related. <laughs> and that's by Mel Kuyper's Mel Kuyper Jr. That's it. We found it out. We <laughs> found it out. <laughs> it took us. We just talked about it. And we just, and we, we discovered it. We just... It only took us 10, 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's it folks <laughs> that's all see you we're, we're, bye now uh, uh, Mel Kuyper Jr. killed the real Mel Kuyper <laughs> <laughs> um, let's let's get a little negative uh, here Tom I, I know you don't mind this of the of the top guys out there who is the most likely to be a bust who is the guy that you would be willing to sell and say, uh, this guy isn't it? And I know you – I have a feeling of where you're going to go, but I won't spoil it. Who, who is the guy that you're willing to, to sell the, the sell out right now? If we, if we were to play buy or sell and you had to sell this guy and say this is the most likely potential to be a bust and we can go check the tape on this you know, years from now, who would be the one guy you'd choose? I know who you're thinking I'm going to think of. Uh, and, and for reasons, I'm not going to say them. We all know, if you've listened to this show for a while, you already know who, who I'm thinking. 
Um, so I'm going to pick somebody different. <laughs> Who's going to be a bust? That, you know what? We'll say. Who's going to be a bust besides Zach Wilson? <laughs> Zach Wilson. <laughs> so who's going to be already a bust? Established. I am here to tell you, and I, we already know it's going to be Zach Wilson's going to be the bust. But if it didn't have to be Zach Wilson, here's here's who I'm going to give the smoke to. Because I don't. I mean, name another decent BYU person that plays in the NFL. <laughs> And, and BYU, here's 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 why. Here's here's my other bust that I don't think is going to do any good. Uh, BYU, they didn't play anybody, um, and they talked a lot of shit, and they didn't come to Stillwater to get that ass kicked. So BYU can get the smoke all day. Uh, the next person, other than Zach Wilson, who I was going to stray away from, but then I saw I saw your Chipotle Bowl review, and I was like. You know what did it for me? Black beans on a Chipotle bowl, absolutely not. Trey Lance is a bust. I'm saying it. Maybe I'm wrong because I'm basing it off his Chipotle bowl. For those of you guys who don't know what I'm talking about, Jones did a Chipotle bowl review. That's Trey Lance's go-to Chipotle order. It's trash. I thought it was fine. I mean, he black beans on the bowl. No, I don't like I'm not black a bean fan, either, but he was the only one of the two other quarterbacks that had steak on it. Okay. Fair. I do like the chicken. I do like the chicken. I mean, steak or the chicken, you really can't go wrong. Um, but the beans, the beans got to go. The guac and the guac's good on it. I mean, if we're going to judge did, did, he, did the man even have cheese on it? Did the man even have cheese on it? He did not have cheese on it. Ah, oh, see? Done. And I hope the Niners draft him because I really need the Niners to go ahead and get a quarterback and bust because someone's got to be the bottom of the NFC West, and it's not going to be the Rams. And the Cardinals are on the come up, let's be honest. The, the guy I'm going to call a bust that I would predict most likely to be a bust is uh, that I'm going to go with Tom is, is Justin Fields. I don't know if the accuracy is there. I mean, three picks against Indiana. What was it? About two or three picks against Northwestern. I love his athleticism and he's got a big arm. You know, he can, he can run like a deer and, you know, he's got arm strength and everything, but I just don't know if the NFL accuracy is there for Justin Fields. And I like Justin Fields. I think he's a great person. And, and you know, he and Trevor Lawrence did an awesome job working together to try to promote college football to be played in these times when it looked like the season was going to shut down and everything. Um, but I just don't know if the accuracy is there for Justin Fields at the next level. That would be the guy I would look at. But – uh, Trey Lance is who you is you look at based on his Chipotle Bowl. I'll be yeah, and it'll be really it. I Jones, I don't think enough is said, and and I think there's barring one exception here, Trevor Lawrence. I think can transcend the shittiness of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think he has the talent to transcend that. Yeah. Jack Wilson's going to go to the New York Jets. I mean, essentially, they are replacing Sam Darnold just with another quarterback, and it doesn't solve any of their issues in the sense that here's what and, I mean. And by, he doesn't. Here's what I mean by that: the Jets 
it's been like the same song, third verse, right? I mean, Sam Darnold still very young. I think he's got a lot of talent. He's better right now than what Ryan Tannehill was when Miami moved on from him and he went to Tennessee and Tannehill went on to have, you know, two really good seasons and, you know, got paid good money. Darnold, I think he's got a lot of potential. They didn't need to get rid of Darnold. They should have got him a weapon instead. And now they're, they're trying to Josh Rose and Sam Darnold. Right. And now they're back to the same door again of uh, going to Zach Wilson here. So yeah, that, that, to me is infuriating that the Jets are, you know, continue to stumble in their own way and be a, such a poor run organization. Um, now with, with the Jags, with Trevor Lawrence, um, you know, so, some people will look at them as, you know, a bad organization, how they've done things and such, but it wasn't too long ago. This team was in the AFC championship game with Blake Bortles as their quarterback. They got a lot of holes. I like Gardner Minshew, but you got a chance to get a franchise quarterback in Trevor Lawrence here. Um, I, I love the pick. I don't know about Urban Meyer as an NFL head coach, um, but I do love the idea of Trevor Lawrence, uh, what he can do with that franchise and and see what he can do. Uh, I, I, to me, that, that's going to be a lot of fun to see how that plays out. But that's what I would look at, Tom, the most likely to bust – Justin Fields for me, because I, I have those concerns about the accuracy. With Trey Lance, who you mentioned, this is a guy that his entire college career did not throw a single interception, let alone it was at the FCS level, though. I mean, that's true. I mean, so the accuracy is there. I think it's going to deter. It's going to be interesting to see where Justin Fields goes. Is he right. going to get picked higher? Or is he going to drop down lower? I've seen some people say the Broncos are going to get him. I mean, if I was him, I would want to go to the Broncos. I mean, you've already had the – the Broncos have the weapons in place like the Jets should have for Sam Darnold. Right. And you could see – You know, if Sam Darnold – Sam Darnold would be good in Denver, honestly. I mean, you know, here's – and I don't want to hate on the Casey guy, but I'm going to. Drew Locke just is – He's not moving the needle. I don't uh, like Drew. You know, it's uh, Drew, Drew's a good guy. Don't, don't I don't mean it that way. Um, but I've never thought of Drew Locke as a starting quarterback in this league. He he is a career backup. And I think the plan is for Denver that you start Teddy Bridgewater, you draft a quarterback, you move on from Drew Locke, and you know you 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 uh, let Teddy play it out for a bit, let your young quarterback rest. But yeah, I mean. Uh, that's what I see happening. And, you know, I could be wrong in just a few hours from now, but I would think that's the direction Denver is going to go. If there's a quarterback remaining uh, of those five that are projected, it's hard for me to imagine them passing on that opportunity to take one of those quarterbacks there. Right. I mean, I mean, at this point, I mean, Drew Locke knows – he knows he's got to know. I mean, the the only time that he would, the only, I guess the only thing that could have been more so jarring is if the Denver Broncos would have got would would have went out and got injury prone, good for three games, and then you get your rookie quarterback to start Tyrod Taylor. Um, 
you know, that would have been the only other thing I could have thought. But, you know, I, I your doctor doesn't talk about Teddy Bridgewater. We, we talk about Teddy Bridgewater. The man deserves a shot somewhere. I'm a believer. I mean, sure, you had it with the Panthers, but I still believe in Teddy Bridgewater. I don't think he's got a fair shake at it. Uh, you know, but let's see. I'll be interested to see where Denver goes or if they get the guy they want. I mean, they're picking, what, ninth? Yeah. Um, so there's there's going to be a good, solid quarterback still on the board. Who is it going to be? We'll find out tonight when you listen to this. Um, and then we'll go from there. But as far as Drew Locke is considered, he's got to be counting his days. But, I mean, the man's been made money. I mean, what do you – what more do you want? Right. Uh, I'm now, sure he still has that hot girlfriend. I mean, he's he's set. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, you asked notable BYU players. I think this kind of explains it all on the notable BYU. Did you have to look it up? I did to remind myself, but now it all makes sense. Like, oh, yeah. You, you ready for this, Tom? Give it to me. This this one is uh, when I say this, you're gonna you're gonna say all right, yep, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Dan Sorensen and Taysom Hill. <laughs> they, oh, okay, I knew Taysom Hill. I don't know if you could, I it, define notable, notably bad, notably bad, yes, notably bad. Public enemies, notably one bad. and two. I just looked up notable BYU players. Okay, you have Steve Young, Jim McMahon. Okay, those are all time guys. I mean, I'm, I'm like running like through the Google search. Ty Dentmer, Mark Wilson. Who's Mark Wilson? <laughs> Bart, Bart Oates. It sounds like a made up name. That sounds like Quaker Oats. Okay. Quaker Oats. The fan. only two that I. Maybe the best one that I'm looking at right now, minus Steve Young, and you know you could this one you could compare this person to to Steve Young in a in a way of who had the career. Granted, this guy didn't put up points. Brett Kiesel, yeah, went to BYU. Did you know Steve Young is Dennis Pitta? Did you know Steve Young is Brigham Young's grandson? Is he really? Yeah. I mean, I obviously last name. Are you? Are we sure that is? You know where Mel Kiper Jr. probably went to school. <laughs> He's from Maryland. I got to see it. Mel Kiper's from Maryland. Um, but that's where uh, he went. He get uh, this. You want to talk about a come up? You want to talk about a come up? There's still hope. Mel Kiper Jr. We don't talk about this enough. Think about everyone knows Mel Kiper Jr. And he really obviously only gets played once a year, uh, along with Todd McShay. But Todd McShay seems way cooler because he grew up with Dave Portnoy. Um, Mel Kiper Jr., when you type in Mel Kiper Jr. College, he went to Community College of Baltimore County. <laughs> that is a come up story. Essex Community College. Yeah. You go to community college, and then you're talking like this, and you got, 
you know, the intangibles and he runs five routes and it goes here and he goes there and you get, you know, then you just go from that to a, to a voice Frank Caliendo does better than I can. Mel Kuyper Jr. here. Oh, man. Tonight, when you guys hear this, we'll, we'll be glad to have you with him. Do you think he named his son Mel Kuyper III? Let's see if he has any kids. That's what we're doing on today's show. We're good, notable BYU players. And <laughs> does Mel Kuyper have a kid? That's what Mel Kuyper the third. Right before the NFL draft, we're getting into the nitty gritty of it. <laughs> Let's look. He's been married to Kim Kuyper uh, since 1989. Kim Kuyper. I'm trying to see personal life. They have one daughter together. Oh, so there isn't Mel Kuyper. So he, he, he was the one and done. He was the one and done. He was a bust. No oh. pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's the funniest thing you've said in a while. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know how to respond to that. I, I think it's best that we just bring in. He was a one and done, baby. Let's uh, bring in Nick Cousin, talk more draft, get the latest in trade, Lance, and more as uh, Nicky Cousin joins us next here at the Jones Report. Stay with us, please. Joining us now on the Jones Report this week, it is one of my old buddies, Nick Cousin, KVRR in Fargo, sports director, also an alum of the University of Kansas, and he joins us right now. Nick, appreciate the time, man. Always great catching up with you. What's going on? Hey, if you if you ask me to come on, I'm coming on. That's how it goes. <laughs> Always, man. We, we go back so far. And, you know, I'm living in Omaha now, as you know. And I was just thinking, uh, we, we had a good weekend in Omaha. What was it about? What was that three or four years ago now? Uh, yeah, I think I think at this point, yeah. it's, been, it's been that long. <laughs> And some of those memories uh, could go uh, unsaid, right? Yeah. We, don't, we don't have to. We don't have to talk about it, <laughs> especially, especially you, especially you, especially me. <laughs> Nonetheless, that was when KU beat Duke, though. That's why we're here on assignments, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh, that's yeah. great, Nick. Uh, tell us first off, what's uh, what's going on in Fargo, man? Uh, you've been uh, there for a bit now, and uh, covering the scene up there. What's uh, what's going up there these days, man? What's up is spring football. Uh, you know, the FCS, not a lot of teams play in the fall. And NDSU's conference, also UND's conference, uh, the Missouri Valley, decided to play a spring season. So there was eight games played. Um, NDSU ended up only playing seven of them. But right now it's in the playoffs. They had the, last, they had the opening round last week. NDSU beat Eastern Washington. So they're getting ready for another game here in the quarterfinals against Sam Houston. So they're going to go down to Texas on Sunday to Huntsville, Texas. It's going to be 85 degrees at kickoff. So with NDSU playing indoors, we'll see how, 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 how it being hot outside affects the game at all for them. Usually they, they win in Texas. They go down in January and to Frisco and win the FCS championship. But that's in January. We're talking about spring Texas. That's a whole different heat. Right. Oh, yeah. That's all different. I'll, I'll ask you about the FCS playoffs in a bit and uh, and go over that. But first and foremost, 
Uh, Trey Lance, the quarterback at North Dakota State. I did my homework before the show, Nick. You, you asked me to review the Trey Lance Chipotle Bowl. And I got to tell you, it, it was just fine. I mean, this bowl, I mean, it passed the eye test. It hit at the point of attack. Uh, you know, it's got a high motor, you know, good energy. You know, I mean, it, it has all the makings of a first-round pick, this, uh, this, this Chipotle Bowl did. I would say the only issue I had, Nick, was uh, the, the black beans. I could have done without the beans. Okay. Uh, I, I usually get black beans on my bowl, so I had no problem with it. My only issue, and I told him this because I saw him at the game on Saturday, and we, my weekend anchor and I, Jackson Roberts, we tried it on our, on our sports show Friday night, and Trey actually saw it, and we talked about it on, we talked about it on Saturday. And I said, hey, man, I could do without the salsa. But everything else was pretty good, and obviously the guac is, like, the best touch, the best part about it. Even if I had to pay, like, what is it, $3 extra for guac or whatever it is? Guac, uh, guac makes it every time. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I would have – what I would have done differently is no beans, extra rice, and I would have added corn. Okay, yeah, I put corn on mine too, so there you go. We're, we're, and and we're, there wasn't any cheese on it, I don't think. No, but, okay. you know – if you're if you're a quarterback, you can't be eating cheese. So he better not be going to Green Bay then. Yeah, <laughs> he can he can get the cheese if he goes to Green Bay, but when he's getting ready for the draft, that's too much too much dairy. Can't have that. <laughs> that's a good point. What was your score if you had to rate it one to ten? Uh so you gave it a seven point eight. Uh, yeah. I'll give it a little bit higher, eight point five, just because. You know, you can't go wrong with Chipotle pretty much any time. I mean, Chipotle's good. But I'm a big steak guy, so that already right. that already puts it up there because steak was the main the main uh, feature of the dish. The only thing that I would just dock it for is the salsa. I'm not really a, a salsa guy. I'm not really into hot, spicy things. And I could instantly smell it as soon as I opened it up. That's the first thing that I smelled was the salsa and then and, and the aftertaste too is what you really, you really felt it. Yeah. So did you look at the other bowls that Justin Fields and uh, Zach Wilson had? Did you compare? Did. Zach Wilson likes the chicken. He does. Yes. Oh, did, did Trey Lance's sound the most appetizing? Yes. And what stuck out to me is because he was the only one that had steak. Oh, and Yeah. And I'm a big steak guy. And, I, and and when I go to Chipotle, just in general, to get a bowl, I'm getting steak. Yeah. So you're not asking much out of me to get this Trey Lance bowl. I'm going to go try it. Now, are you uh, a bowl guy or burrito guy? I'm a bowl guy. I used to be a burrito guy, but every time I went, the burrito would break. <laughs> so I don't, I don't trust. <laughs> I don't say, yeah, so I don't trust that. And the fact that bowls are a little more healthier because the, the tortilla that you wrap it in, that's a lot of calories. Yeah, so a lot of carbs. To, yeah. So yeah. if I'm just – if I'm trying to go just to get lean and, you know, have a lot of meat, then that's, I'm getting the bowl. Now, here, here's a little pro tip for the folks out there, a little Chipotle tip. If you do a bowl at Chipotle, it comes with more food and more meat than the burrito does. So you substitute those carbs and calories of the tortilla and you actually get more food. And you can ask for more. Like, if you want more, you can be like, oh, yeah, I want more cheese or I want more guac. They'll put it on for you. No problem. Yeah. And, 
if you still feel the need for a tortilla, you can ask for a tortilla for no extra charge too. So there you go. This, this is what we do. We give you the, the keys to go and order your Chipotle. Oh yes. We have all the life hacks here on the Jones report. Uh, another thing too, while we're on it, while we're giving away the keys to the kingdom at Chipotle. Uh, did you know, Nick, that you can ask for extra rice for no charge? I did not. That's that's a that's a first that I've heard. Yes. So you could ask for an extra tortilla if you want. Uh, even if you have a burrito, you could have a double wrapped, or you could ask for extra rice, and they can't charge you for it. But by golly, they're going to charge you the three dollars for that guac. I tell you what. <laughs> they have to they have to get that in. They have to charge you for it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So down to business here. Trey Lance. Uh, you covered him his whole career there at uh, North Dakota State. Uh, is he as good as advertised? Oh, definitely. I just think he, for him, it's it's the right situation, the, the right fit. And uh, since you have a lot of Chiefs fans in Kansas City, people that listen to this show, I'll, I'll, I'll relate Patrick Mahomes to this situation. I think the, with, with Trey Lance, it has to be kind of that Patrick Mahomes redshirt situation where he came in, sat behind Alex Smith for a year. I think that's the perfect opportunity for Trey Lance, whether that's with the 49ers, sitting behind Jimmy Garoppolo or the Falcons sitting behind Matt Ryan. He has to go to a team where he can learn because the biggest stock on him so far has been the experience. He's only had 17 starts. He only played against FCS competition because of the fact that it was a pandemic year. NDSU was originally scheduled to play Oregon this year, but because of the pandemic, Trey Lance only started one game in the fall against Central Arkansas. And he, and he, that's the only competition he's played uh, since, since 2019. So, I mean, those are the two biggest concerns that everybody's saying is the game experience and that he hasn't had many in live action reps. So with that being said, uh, of the 17 games he played, didn't throw a single interception, I believe, in his time at North Dakota State. I mean, this guy is incredibly accurate. And the way I would look at this, Nick, is, uh, for the folks at home that are trying to compare and wondering, well, he did at the FCS level and all that. I mean, those type of numbers, I don't care if you're playing, you know, backyard pop water football. I mean, that's impressive anywhere. Those numbers translate. We've seen, you mentioned Garoppolo, Joe Flacco, Tony Romo. I mean, these FCS quarterbacks, uh, Carson Wentz too. There's a pathway for them in the NFL now compared to what there was even 10 years ago. Oh, yeah, 2,700 yards passing, 28 touchdowns, 1,100 rushing, can do it all. And I think, you know, NDSU, they always talk about, you know, the competition may be a question, but look who look who they're going up against in practice. Uh, last year, NDSU had two linemen who are – two linemen who are in the NFL right now, two, two defensive linemen that are in the NFL right now. That's who Lance went up against in practice every day. And also the fact that – you know, FCS, you talked about there's a long line of quarterbacks that have had success. Carson Wentz being another NDSU quarterback. There's another, the one that was between Wentz and Lance Easton Stick. He's on the Los Angeles Chargers and he's, he leads the FCS all time in, in yards uh, altogether. So you talk about NDSU is kind of this, this quarterback factory. Yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing that uh, he's been able to do that and, uh, and what they've been able to produce there at North Dakota State. If you had to 
draw a comparison of some sorts to a a, a current or former quarterback, uh, who does he remind you of? Well, that's a, that's a good one because he he's a dual threat quarterback. He you know he can do it all. Uh, he can pass. He can throw. Uh, he can run. Uh, I I would say you know he's kind of that's kind of where the NFL is going. You know you want you want that quarterback that can both do the run and the pass. You know Patrick Mahomes can do that. Cam Newton can do that. Kyler uh, Murray, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson. The list goes on and on and on. So there's right. there's a lot of comparisons you can say for Trey Lance. It's just a matter of, you know, when he gets to the league, how 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 he perform, can he perform at that Russell Wilson level, that Kyler Murray level, how long will it take to get there? I think there's not really a a a good comparison because you haven't seen seen what he can do just yet. But I think he could get up to the level of an either Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, one of those quarterbacks that, you know, can do it all. Yeah, yeah, that'd be something else if he does. What about comparing with the other quarterbacks in this draft? I, I don't know what you think, Nick, but I look at this draft and, you know, we're going to have, what, five quarterbacks picked in the first round, potentially even five quarterbacks picked in the top ten. And, you know, Trevor Lawrence, obviously your number one quarterback, uh, you know, no ifs, ands, or buts about it going to Jacksonville. We know that. And then, you know, Zach Wilson's getting praised, probably going to be the number two quarterback off the board going to the Jets. But then after that, I mean, I'm looking through this, Nick. Um, it seems like a lot of these guys are being overpubbed. that we're, we're talking about you might not really have first-round grades on these quarterbacks. And that's – I'm not saying that's a knock on Lance or anything, but – these guys are probably going to be overdrafted compared to what their real value is. Uh, how do you think uh, Lance compares those other quarterbacks uh, that we're talking about here of those, those five that'll go off the board? It's changed as of late because when he first declared back in the fall, right after that last game he played against central Arkansas back in October, everyone was saying, Oh, he's a first round pick, but he's not top 10. Because at that point, you know, the NFL scouts didn't know a lot about him. That game against Central Arkansas in the fall was pretty much so that NFL scouts could come to the game and see him play because not a lot had seen him play in 2019 when he went off for all those numbers we talked about earlier. But as the process has gone on, he's worked out in Atlanta with a, with a quarterback's coach for Deshaun Watson, uh, who's, you know, who's in the NFL and the Texans, one of, one of the best QBs in the league. And through that training, through the draft process of talking to teams, teams are falling in love with him. The 49ers, they, he, Trey Lance had two pro days. The first one, the 49ers were not there because it was the same day as Justin Fields' pro day. But Lance had a second one, and the 49ers came to that one. And the two weeks prior to that second pro day, Kyle Shanahan, the head coach of the 49ers, set Trey Lance up with his own quarterback coach that was different from the one he was already working out with for two weeks leading up to the pro day, just so the 49ers can see and put him through their own workouts and see how he would perform in front of Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers. So if, if there, if there, if teams are doing that for Trey Lance after only, you know, seeing him really for a couple of a small sample size, that's elevated him to, you know, the 49ers traded up to number three. So you could see Trey Lance go ahead of Justin Fields in this now where beforehand, he was probably the last quarterback off the board, off the board as far as first round uh, NFL QBs in the fall. 
Yeah. Now you were at uh, his pro day and uh, Lewis Riddick was there. I know you talked to Lewis. What did he say about uh, Trey Lance? Uh, he had nothing but nice things to say. Special talent. He can do big things. Uh, and like, like I said earlier, the big thing with him is I think he just needs to go to a situation that's, that's good for him. That's the best situation as far as, you know, learning from a veteran, learning from a veteran because all, when he was a red shirt, when he first came in, he was behind Easton Stick, who I mentioned earlier, who's in the NFL now. And all, all Trey Lance did for that retro freshman year was just look at film, look at film. And he actually got in for two games his, re his retro freshman year. And one of those games, he broke out for an 80-yard rushing touchdown. And that was only one of a couple of snaps he played. And as soon as that happened, everyone's like, okay, this, this, he's it. This, he's it. This, this quarterback's it. And I think we, even with the inexperience, you know, he's young, he's only 20 years old. He's, he's not, he's not even legal to drink yet. Uh, so I think you just need to, he just needs to go to a situation that's best for him. And that's what, that's what Lewis Riddick said. He said, he's a special talent, a lot of raw talent there. He's probably going to be a really good quarterback in the league. It'll just, just take some time and, and have the right fit for him. And then Lewis said, Nick, Nick Cousins uh, and Big J Journo here, you know, he, he oh, yeah. big oh, yeah. right away too. Big time, big time. He, he evaluated you and said, this guy's good at his job too. So. Oh yeah. I got, I got the, I got the A plus from him. So. Right. That's I what mean, he was really there for. So. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, let's take a picture, man. You're that good. You're that cool. <laughs> <laughs> a little off topic, but uh, uh, you and I were talking a couple weeks ago. Remember when we met Jim Nance actually in Omaha? Yeah, and the funny, and the, and then the amazing thing was, is that when we went to the final four, then the next week he remembered both of our names, which was amazing. Oh yeah, yeah, and and uh, he's like right away heard my voice, and he's like, "Wow, that's a great voice." I'm like, thanks, uh, thanks, Jim. I mean, that's, no, everybody, that's everybody's impression of you. Man. <laughs> you got, the, you have the voice of God. Okay, I won't go that far, but thank you. Uh, back to uh, the uh, the draft. Um, with, uh, with North Dakota State, uh, what's going to be the reaction when uh, when he does find a home? It seems like that uh, Carson Wentz kind of got a cult following of sorts with uh, with new Philadelphia Eagle fans. Is Trey Lance even more popular than uh, than Wentz was? Uh, I, I wouldn't go – I would say he would be popular, but because Wentz is from North Dakota, it's a bigger deal. Uh, Trey Lance is from Minnesota but he's from the part of Southern Southwest Minnesota, which is near South Dakota border. Um, so I'm, and, and the fact that Wentz was starter for four years and Trey Lance was only really one, I think people still love Wentz and we show highlights of his games just because for that fact, like Sundays it's Vikings and then whoever Wentz is playing. <laughs> so I think just because Wentz being from North Dakota is a little bit more elevated, but I'm sure a lot of Bison fans We'll follow Trey Lance, and I'm sure we'll show highlights of his games whenever he gets that chance to start, if it's one year from now, two years from now, or even right away. You don't know. Bison, not Bison, yes. Uh, yeah, everybody wants to be – they want to be their own thing here, so it's Bison. Yes, yes. Oh, man. You have the, you have the Bison, the Bisons, and the Bisons of Bucknell. So you have to have your, you have to have your uh, differentiations. It's all the same damn animal. <laughs> You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, that, that, that's uh, that's great. A couple more things for you. Uh, FCS playoffs. I know you're going to be covering uh, the FCS playoffs for close. North Dakota State team you follow been in 
unusual year for them. Is it in large part because they were expecting to have Trey Lance and weren't ready to replace him yet, or is it a rebuilding year? What, what do you think about where uh, NDSU football is right now? Uh, a lot of the struggles have stemmed from just um, playing a lot of younger players. Uh, going into from the fall, you, you lose Trey Lance to the draft. They had a top senior offensive lineman, Dylan Radins, who also is going to hear his name called in the draft. Going to the second, uh, he's going in the second round. Uh, before the before the season, before the 2020 season, you had Jabril Cox, who was a linebacker, three-time All-American from Kansas City. Uh, he transferred on to LSU, and now he's going to be a second-round draft pick as well. So you, you lose all that depth, uh, and then you're starting, uh, you're starting a Zeb Nolan, uh, who who you know from Big 12. He was at Iowa State for a little bit, and he was a backup to Trey Trey Lance for for the last year and a half. Uh, he comes in, doesn't have much starting experience, and he struggles. And now a true freshman, Cam Miller, who from Iowa, he's starting now for them. And you look at the running backs this last game, uh, two, two uh, retro freshmen, Jalen Bussey, he's a running back, and true freshman, Dom, Dom Ganella, both of them combined for 150 yard, uh, 200 yards, total over, over 400 yards in the game, uh, rushing part of, part of that committee. And they're both, you know, they're getting their first real seasons together. And, you know, head coach Manatee, he, he talks about it all the time. He said, you know, our issues are, you know, we're playing a lot of, a lot of different players. But it's like having a spring roster as if you're, you know, you're going into a spring game, but you're playing a season. So it's pretty much about development and growth with them this year more than, you know, having another undefeated season. Because in, in 18, 19, 19, 20, 31 and 0 over, the, over those two seasons where this year they're 7 and 2. Right. I mean, it's still a down year seven and two. I mean, how many teams would love to uh, take that position right now as their uh, – their good year of sorts there. Yeah, yeah. And, and, it's, and, it's, and it's brought the Bison fans down to earth a little bit, you know, realize, you know, what a loss actually feels like. Right. Isn't that crazy? Uh, you know, we, we, we know what losing feels like uh, at the University of Kansas. Uh, we've seen plenty of that. Uh, so, kind of like, we, we don't know what winning is when it comes to football. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is so true. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, by, by the way, uh, looking at uh, this playoffs here, do you still like uh, North Dakota State pull off, or do you think uh, someone else uh, is going to get this done? I, I'll never rule out NDSU because when it comes to the when when it comes to these high pressure situations, these big moments, NDSU never fails. And, and the fact that I saw they there's two losses this year that I saw from them. They were already in deficits and couldn't come back. And this last week against this last week against Eastern Washington, they were down they were down fourteen nothing, came back, took the one point lead at the half, and then held Eastern Washington scoreless through the second half. And that that's showing up in a big moment even for a lot of a lot of the young players that are playing on this team. So I can't rule them out for that for that fact. They came in the clutch. The only the only problem is is NDS two usually throughout the playoffs have home field advantage, so usually. They're playing three games at the Fargo Dome here in Fargo, and then they're going down to Frisco for that one game, for the championship. But they're going to have to have a tough road ahead. They have to go down to Sam Houston this weekend, as I mentioned earlier, went on the road there. And then if James Madison wins, who's another seeded team, who was number one team all spring wins, 
Then NDSU have to go beat James Madison next week at James Madison. So it's a really tough road for them having to have two road games just to get to the championship, but I'll never rule them out because they're, that's what they do. But the Bison win, they find a way to win in those important situations. And because they lost twice, especially losing to South Dakota state the last week of the spring season, that was a rivalry game, lost to Dakota marker playing for a trophy. I think that, that gave him a lot of motivation coming in. Oh yeah. Yeah, certainly so. Certainly so. Um, one more thing on the FCS playoffs, uh, this FCS season, we mentioned the spring and such, uh, what's it been like, uh, having spring football? Are, are you a fan of it? I know that we enjoyed the XFL last year, but obviously this is much different, much different circumstances here. What do you make of having FCS football here in the spring? Oh, it certainly made, um, our, our, our time more busy here because it was going on the beginning of the season was going on during the end of college basketball season. And the beginning has trickled into softball and baseball and other, other spring sports. So you've had to really pick and choose, but obviously you're gonna have to put football over a lot of the other sports as priority. Cause that's the number one thing in this market that everybody cares about is, is buys and football. So it's made it a little more tough in that regard. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest it going forward, but I, I will say that the FCS and especially the Missouri Valley kind of missed an opportunity here. It's kind of like baseball last summer, missing out on being one of the, you know, coming back on 4th of July and having a season. They missed an opportunity to have, you know, nationally televised games every Saturday. All the FCS games were on ESPN plus, but you have to pay for those as you know, but they could have had the opportunity, you know, have their games on ESPN, ESPN two, and they're only getting that now in the playoffs. I think that was a big opportunity that was missed from the spring season is you're the only college football teams in the country playing and you have to have your, your, your loyal dedicated fans pay a service to even watch your games. I think I saw more of uh Deion Sanders, school on TV than anybody else at this point. Yeah. Well, that's because it's Deion Sanders. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jackson state, that, that school got a lot of pub and that was something interesting to follow there. What was going on with Deion and that group uh, for sure. Oh, yeah. shout, out, shout out to Haley Hunter who covers them. She's a, she's a friend. All right. Well, sup. Uh, from uh, Nikki Cuz there, uh, dropping dropping names. Uh, I like it. Uh, l- let me ask you before we go. I, I got to give you your opinion. Um, who's going to be the next Kansas football coach? Who- who's taking over our alma mater? Uh, uh, I don't know. That's that's a good question. I'm all that's in a- on Jeff Munkin and Army. Bring the triple. You know, you know what? Bill Self's got a lifetime contract. Why does he just coach football? I mean. Sure. I mean, he can't be any worse than uh, the more. He can't do any worse. Right. I'm so glad Jeff Long's gone. That, w- that used to be your buddy. Uh, I-, I like Jeff personally, and we had some good interviews, but I mean, he was terrible at his job. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, we all know the Snoop Dogg's stripper poles at not, late night. <laughs> the, what was worse about the stripper poles, Nick, I don't know what you think, was not that it happened. But uh, Jeff Long's statement saying he didn't know what exotic dancers was. Yeah, that was funny. That was, that was, that was good. Time. <laughs> oh, that's great stuff. Nick, yeah. we appreciate yeah. that. And then, and then bringing in Les Miles, and then that'll end it ugly, too. So, yeah. there you go. Maybe, uh, you know, I, I went to the Lawrence, uh, came back a, a few weeks ago. I turned in uh, my application. I gave them an offer. I said I'd be willing to be head football coach and AD, get a two-for-one deal, and they haven't given me a call yet. I'm still waiting on that phone call. 
I, I'll join you. You need assistant coach and assistant ADL. I'm there. Oh yeah. You'd be my offensive coordinator. We're running. We're going to run four verticals every time. Hey, I'm down with that. That's the, that's the go-to plan in Madden. That always works. Um, before we go, I got to ask you this, uh, with it being the draft week, how many, uh, bears Mahomes jokes have you heard already this week? Well, I actually haven't heard any, but the fact that I've, I've heard some rumors that the Bears at 20 will trade in the top 10 to get whatever quarterback is not picked of the five. That, that you know, I think that – and it could be Trey Lance too. I mean, I think that would be – I think this is the draft to do it, but there's no real Mitch Trubisky out there, so I think I'll be okay if the Bears do that. Okay, so you want the Bears to draft quarterback. You're not going to ride with uh, Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton's the perfect bridge quarterback. One year, one year rental. <laughs> Keep telling yourself that. Oh yeah, now now he'll be the starter for like four four years now or something like that. Now bring that back, uh, bring back smoking Jay Cutler. Hey, I had a lot of problems with him when he was the quarterback of the Bears, but now it's like Cuddy, come back. We miss you. I, I, I'm I'm sorry for all we 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 caused you, all the problems we caused you. <laughs> Please. Please come back. Uh, and I heard he's back with Kristen Cavallari too. So congrats to him on that. Oh, that we need them to get back together. That, couple, couple. They're the best couple. They are. And we need the TV show to come back. That was phenomenal television. Oh, yeah. I, 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 sometimes I go back and watch some episodes because it's just. <laughs> <laughs> of course you do. I probably should do the same. Uh, very Cavallari. Incredible television. Better than the Kardashians. I would have watched that any day over there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and then they have a store in Chicago. So next time I'm there, I'm going to go check it out. <laughs> All right. Well, we will let uh, Nick go so he can go shop at Uncommon James and uh, support the uh, Cavallari family's income. And, and Nick, uh, before we go, tell us where people can find you and follow all your uh, coverage. I imagine you're going to be all over this draft this weekend, too. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, it's really easy because all my social media handles are the same. It's uh, NCUZ, N-C-O-U-Z. That's Twitter. What a concept, right? Oh, yeah, super easy. Uh, N-C-O-U-Z on Instagram and Twitter. Those are mostly where I post a lot of my stuff, so you can, you can find me there. And uh, we just need to give you that blue check now. Yeah, I need that real bad. Okay. So I, need, I need all that information at the top of everybody's feeds. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Join the uh, blue check mark brigade. You know, not, not everybody's so lucky to be a part of it, but it's okay. So, Nick Cousin, John, I guess, here at the Jones Report this week. Time for Coach Bo's Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. Check out O'Connor Advisory Group online, OAGKS.com, O'ConnorAdvisoryGroup.com as well. Also on Facebook, you can reach out to Bo. By phone, 75-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. Also by email at brian.oconnor at lpl.com. As Coach Bo joins us right now. Bo, appreciate the time as always. Uh, you got your grand opening coming up in a few days. And then we also got to shout out our guy Blake Mudd getting the uh, co-DC job at uh, Lawrence High, too. A, a big week for uh, – for you and, and uh, our buddy Blake Mudd. Hey man, first shout out to Blake, man. Blake Mudd's my guy. That's my dude. Go back to our days at Veritas together. He was the Brad brought me there and uh, was a great head coach there. He's going to be a great DC. He's going to be co DC there. He's going to be coaching the linebackers. 
uh, Lawrence High's linebacking core is going to get a lot better because that guy's a hell of a coach. He's going to be a high school head coach sooner than later, in my view. And, and whoever school does pluck him eventually is going to get a great, great football coach. Uh, so Lawrence High, big ups Coach Bowen over there, of, you know, not just keeping Coach Bo- Coach Mud, but for promoting him a little bit there. And uh, that's going to be that's kind of cool to find that out. And my buddy over there, I'm, I'm happy as hell for him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you're getting ready, uh, the office about ready to go here in the next couple of days? The last couple of touches are being done. Uh, as we record tonight, this is what Wednesday night was recording. I'm going to, after we're done, I'm going to finish a couple small things. And then by tomorrow, end of the day, Thursday, uh, we'll be done. Awesome. And all set up. So I've had a couple of meetings here already. I'll have a couple more rest of the week. And then uh, we'll be full on board. Everything will be here from now on. So I'm excited. We've got a great partnership with Stone Creek Accounting upstairs. Uh, I've known Sarah Dingus and her crew for years. And so I'm just excited. We're all in the same building right by one another. And uh, can't wait to see people over here. It's just been, it's an awesome experience to get back out of. After if COVID for being in the basement, in the dungeon for a year and doing everything via Zoom, it's so nice to be back in person. So I'm looking yeah, forward to it. I'm sure. I'm sure it is, Bob. Now, looking ahead to the draft coming up tonight, um, if you're listening to this after Thursday, you could tell us whether how right we were or how wrong we were if you're listening to us when this comes out. Um, I think one of the things that we're looking for, Bo, is when the turning point will be in this draft. It seems like the, the, the cards are already in place, right, for Trevor Lawrence to be one, obviously, Zach Wilson to be two. Now it's looking like Mac Jones is pretty solid at that number three slot. When does this draft really start to get interesting? Is it with Atlanta at four, or is it another pick or two after? I think that we've got like four different spots in the first round where like the draft is going to kind of shift. Uh, the first one is pick four, Atlanta. Atlanta's got a choice. Um, if I'm the Atlanta Falcons, and I'm not saying this is a New Orleans Saints fan, but if I'm the Atlanta Falcons and I have a chance to draft uh, Justin Fields, I'm getting him. I don't know if the Falcons are going to do that. I have been saying for two months now that I think that quarterbacks – We're going to go one, two, three, four. I think there's a chance. I'm not coming off that. I still think it could happen. Um, But I think the Falcons may be in play. Uh, One of three options happens. They draft Fields. They draft Kyle Pitts out of Florida. Or they trade the pick. That's their only three options. I mean, the best two players after that are two wide receivers. They really don't need receivers right now. Um, To me, you have to do one of those three moves if you're Atlanta. And I, if Atlanta can get enough to drop down maybe to eight or nine at the next pivot point, um, then you could see them do that, still get a really, really great player and some extra to build a little bit of depth. Um, but I, I, I'm, the thing I'm interested to see there in those first five picks, first four picks, is will the 49ers take Mac Jones or have we heard a little bit about Trey Lance? And then, I mean, even uh, there's been a little bit of talk about fields in there. Um, I think that the 49ers are going to take Mac Jones. I guess they're doing it for the fit, for what they want in their system. And then the Falcons are going to have a choice. 
But the whole the whole first round is going to end up being like the first little pivot is that number four pick. What happens there? The Falcons trade, then we're going to start seeing some activity because now people who want those other two quarterbacks are going to start trading. There's going to be five quarterbacks in the first round. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be unheard of. And if the Falcons trade somebody to move in to get a quarterback, whether that be Fields or Lance, or if Jones isn't taken, if if the 49ers do go one of the other two, then we're going to see everyone start trading in and out to try to get in. And uh, the Falcons are the team that's going to make all that happen. If the Falcons go pick Kyle Pitts, then I think the Bengals pass on quarterback. They take either Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts isn't gone already. So you forgot that's going to be Jamar Chase. Dolphins take Sewell, the tackle. Now you've got the Lions, Panthers, Broncos, who could all take a quarterback. I don't see the Lions taking a quarterback, but Panthers and Broncos both could. And if we see two quarterbacks available still after the sixth pick, it's going to be frantic trade time for everyone trying to move up. And that would be Carolina, Denver. Don't be surprised if it's the New England Patriots trying to trade up. Um, who was the other one I was looking at? I also wouldn't be surprised if the Raiders trade up. Mm-hmm. The Bears. Those are the ones I was looking at. The Bears. The Bears are going to be under pressure to do it. And I don't know what draft capital they have to, to move up from 20. Is going to be the issue. The Bears are the ones praying that people don't draft quarterbacks at four, five, and six because they can get from 20 to seven. But they can't get from 20 to four. They don't have the cap. Right. Uh, There's a couple different spots in there. It's going to be interesting. That four spots going to be the most interesting part of the draft on Thursday night. So we've, we've talked a lot about quarterbacks and how much they're overvalued in this draft. The skill position I really like in this draft, though, is the wide receivers. And I would include Kyle Pitts in that group because, I mean, he's, he's just a big wide receiver is what he is. Um, but what about Devonta Smith here? I mean, this is a guy that had 1,800 yards, 23 touchdowns. He's 6'1". Why is Devonta Smith, of all people, the, the Heisman Trophy winner, kind of slipping through the cracks a bit. I mean, it looks like he was, he was uh, a consensus top five pick, you know, two months ago. What happened to Devonta Smith? It's the quarterback thing. So, one, I think it's going to be the second right wide receiver take. Chase is better. Jamar Chase is better. Well, um, now they're saying Waddle's going to be the second receiver taken. I think Smith and Waddle, you can kind of go back and forth. I, I think Devonta Smith's a better player. Uh, a lot of that's also going to be who takes these players, too. Um, but you're asking why he's not in the top five. Well, if it was the, just the top five football players, well, yeah, he'd be the second overall pick or the third overall pick. Maybe four. I mean, if you want to include, I mean, to me, the top four football players are in, in any order Trevor Lawrence, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Kyle Pitts. You can, I'll sit there and argue with what four, but. It's all compelled situation who you are, but it's not about Devontae Smith. It's not anything to do with him. It has everything to do with why he dropped the draft out of the top five, having to do with the idea that these quarterbacks 
are going too high because teams are now under pressure to get a young quarterback. And so they're all taking their shot. You know, it's, um, uh, you know, shoot your shot kind of thing. You know, you got to shoot your shot. And, and that's what teams are doing. That's why we're going to see five of these guys in the first 10 picks. Yeah, it's very good. And that's, that, that would have never happened before these last couple of years. And honestly, that, I mean, that's the only thing. That's what hurts Devontae Smith. It has nothing to do with Devontae Smith. And I do think you're right. This is a deep wide receiver class. Um, if you would include Kyle Pitts in this, and I kind of agree with you on that, he has a wide receiver type of skill that he'll play tight end, obviously. But, I mean, he's going to be phenomenal. You include him with Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, Elijah Moore, uh, Kadarius Toney, uh, Rashard Bateman, I mean, uh, Terrence Marshall, I mean, it's a really good wide receiver class. Yeah. Even late in the first round, you're going to get a really good receiver. Oh, yeah. I mean, this group is loaded. You mentioned all those wide receivers there, and uh, we didn't even mention uh, 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 Tylen Wallace from Oklahoma State in that group either, which I'm very high on as a sleeper. If, if, If we're talking about guys that uh, you know, could be late day, you know, sleepers of sorts. You know, if if you're going to maybe pick day two and day three of who – I got a couple big 12 guys that come to mind, Bo, and I'll be curious who maybe yours are. Day two, Tylen Wallace, who we didn't mention there with among – you know, I yeah. mean, this guy was so good, you know, throughout his career, dealt with injuries, came back. He's going to be a steal for somebody, I think, in the second or third round. Um and what about if you want to go day three, what about from right in our neck of the woods, Puka, Puka Williams? I mean, Puka did so much with not having anything around him. Um, he's an NFL running back. We knew that before he walked on campus at KU. Um, yeah. That's two local guys uh, that I'm watching for that uh, could be some good steals in those two those couple of days. What about you when you look at day two and day three? I like, like Puka. It's a good choice there. Uh, Chuba Hubbard is someone I like, Oklahoma State. Uh, I like him a lot. Uh, let me get in here. There was one I was thinking about. I got to make sure I pull my notes up here. Um, oh, where's my Notre Dame guy? Where are we at here? Sorry. Sorry, I'm trying to now. I'm trying to. Here we go. Liam Eichenberg from Notre Dame. Uh, this is probably going to be a second round pick, maybe late second. Um, I really like him a lot. Uh, and this is Mr. Notre Dame hater, but man, he can flat out play. Um, you know, I think it's another guy I would look at. Um, let me think here, a couple others. And then the other ones, like, I think are going to be like second, like third round, fourth round, if you're looking in that area. Um, I want to see who takes Kyle Trask. I want to see who says, that's my project kid. And I'm scared. I told you off the air. I'm scared to death because I think I know who it is. And I don't want it. But I think it's my New Orleans Saints. They're going to do it. Um, you know, another guy that I think would be good is Kellen Mott. That's the guy you put in a clipboard in his hand for a couple of years. And maybe he's a guy that's not a starter, but he can be a guy who's serviceable for you in a couple of times. Uh, Kellen Mott's a guy that's got Dallas Cowboys written all over is the guy who's a fit for that team, that franchise, and how he plays, a really good kind of backup. That's the kind of guy that uh, Kellen Mond could be what kind of the comparison is 
what Dak Prescott was when he came out. Mm-hmm. Just those kind of skill sets. I'm not saying that that great player. I'm just saying that's the same skill set. Good arm, a real good arm. He was kind of talked about a little bit of inaccuracy when he was younger, but his arm strength is there, and he's got wheels. So again, the right situation. That's the guy you can look at. Um, and then as far as surprises in the first round, maybe that are going to be later that aren't getting talked about. I got two names that come to mind. Uh, Nick Bolton at Missouri. I think he's going to be a really solid player. And then Creed Humphrey, the center out of Oklahoma, could play center or guard, didn't give up a single sack in his entire career at Oklahoma. I would look at those two guys as uh, being good finds there in uh, the late first uh, first round, maybe even top of the second round. Yeah, I think another guy to take a look at is, and this will make Thomas a little bit happy, is uh, Xavier Collins from Tulsa. Yes. I think he's going in the first round. I I think he's going to go the first round. I think he's going to New Orleans Saints in the first round. Congrats. I think that's where he's going. I think he's the first non-corner defensive player in the draft. And I've seen so many draft boards that have got him as the 30, 35th, 40th best player. He's going to go in the first round, and um, he's going to be – it's because he's a linebacker. They just don't get – these linebackers, you've got to be super athletic. Uh, he can play. I like him a lot. I think that's a good fit for him. I can see him going there. I can see him go to New Orleans. I can see Baltimore. Uh, but when we were looking at this, um, you know, Baltimore using that pick he's got from the Chiefs. Um, I could also see the, the, the Bucks taking him because mm-hmm. of athletic ability. You can play him different ways in their defense, their, on their defense. Last question on the draft for you. Then we'll move on to some other things uh, to cover in the National Football League. Um, obviously we don't know the picks yet, but when you think about teams in their pick situations and their personnel, as far as, you know, what they're looking at for drafting and who their decision makers are, when you factor all that in, who do you think has a chance as a team to be significantly better at the end of the draft on Saturday compared to what they are? entering the draft on Thursday. Is there a team that can take a big jump in one weekend, you think? Um, it's got to be teams that have the picks that are the first or second picks. So, like, the, the Jags and the Jets could obviously do it. The team that can make themselves a lot better is the Dolphins. Yes. Um, I believe they have two picks in the first round, and then they've got a high second-round pick. They're already a good team. Yeah, already you're going to get three good players. You're going to have three players that are starters next year. Um, if the Falcons trade down, because it's going to be a modest trade down. So if you're the Falcons and you trade down to seven, eight, or nine, and you pick up an extra one, whether that's this year or next, but if you can pick up an extra player this year in the draft, well, now you have gotten, you've made yourself considerably better because then it'll be the second pick or the third pick in the second round. So look for stuff like that. You know, so many times we see trades and what teams don't realize is that people, what people don't realize is that, okay, this team traded out of this pick. They give up a two and you go, well, we're not really worried about it, but that's your depth. That's where teams like New England and Baltimore and the Chiefs have killed other teams in the last few years because they've been able to move back a little bit move back in the first round, move up in the second round by making those kind of picks. 
And then, bam, they've got two quality players instead of one because they didn't draft for need. They drafted for best available player. They didn't say, they didn't go to the board and say, here's our 25 best players. We need the closest to number one. They did that instead of saying, oh, we got to get a quarterback. Oh, we got to get a running back. You know, the teams that lose a player to retirement, you know, you, you lose a player to retirement or to suspension or free agency. And then you go, oh, I can replace that guy. That's a, to me a problem. That's where you don't get better in the draft. You're just replacing. Mm-hmm. Teams that get better in the draft are the ones that say, hey, regardless of how our depth chart looks, let's get the best football player. Mm-hmm. We can make that work. Special right. defenses. Yeah. Draft for athletes. Make it work. Uh, moving on, uh, a team that won't have the first round pick is is a is the Kansas City Chiefs, as they traded their way there first to the Baltimore Ravens to bring in All Pro tackle Orlando Brown. And, and I got to tell you, you know, I watched Orlando Brown in college in Oklahoma, and anybody that was watching that Oklahoma team closely will tell you, yeah, Baker Mayfield won the Heisman Trophy, but Orlando Brown was the most talented player on that football team. He was the guy. Uh, I mean, Baker was maybe the most valuable, but uh, Orlando was the most talented player. And now look at what he did last year with Baltimore as the left tackle, year before that as a right tackle, incredibly versatile. Chiefs had holes on that offensive line. Now they have their tackle. They'd still have to figure out a way to extend him. But looking at this, Bo, I'm, I, I say it's a win-win. I love it for Kansas City. They're not going to find a better player picking at 31 than Orlando Brown here. Baltimore, I know they were in a tough spot. Brown wanted to play left tackle. They didn't want to accommodate that for him here. Um, I, I, I think it's a major win for the Chiefs in this trade. I think Brett Veach, again, stole you know candy from a baby here. I don't think he necessarily stole candy from a baby. I think it was a good trade both ways. Um, yes, the Chiefs get the player they want. They get a player with basically their first-round pick. You trade your one. You say, okay, well, we're trading our first-round pick. But you got a player you could not draft at that pick. Right. And then you give up uh, your number one, your three, and your four. Now, that makes sense for the Chiefs because they now have two picks in the second round. Again, talk about getting your better player. Well, the Chiefs are getting the player they want and an extra two, and they're giving up the one they can't get a better player for, and a three and a four. Uh, Then they swap a five for a six next year. But if you're the Ravens, this is good because you're back into the first round. And let me make sure I get this right here. They go back into the first. uh, So they, they, they didn't have a first round pick. Well, they do. They still have 27. They have 27 and 31. Mm-hmm. So you got two first-round picks. You don't have a second, but then you have a three and a four that you've now gotten from the Chiefs. Um, again, a little more depth. Where the mistake will be for the Ravens is just what we talked about a minute ago. If the Ravens go and take a left tackle, one of those two first-round picks, the trade's not a good trade then. Mm-hmm. That makes sense? You downgraded the position, and you didn't get enough for it. Now it, it becomes a, it becomes a salary cap move in that case. Here, here's but, the other thing I look at as far as why I say it's 
taking candy from a baby here. You have the best team in the AFC the last two years, and the Ravens just made them better. Well, yes, but that isn't the responsibility of the Ravens. It isn't the Ravens' responsibility to make sure that, that the Chiefs don't get a good enough deal or get a good enough player. Look, if they're going to give you the value you want for the player and you use the value right, it doesn't matter what it does for the team. You have to worry about what's in your team first. Because then your job is to go out there and beat them. Now, the Ravens are got to be looking at this one of two ways. It's either they just don't want to pay Orlando Brown, and then it's a salary cap nightmare, and they're going, oh, we can't pay him, so now we got to get his replacement, and let's get a one out of this. If they do that, it's a little bit of a mistake in my view. But if you don't, if you don't have – if you've got his replacement ready to go, or if you think you can get it in the third round, then you can get you a couple of good players with both those number one picks. It's not a bad deal because then you strengthen your team too. Mm-hmm. It's, it, you can't worry about whether someone else's team is better or you're making their team better. You got to worry about if you're making your team better. If you're making your team better, you just can't worry about what everybody else is doing. If you start looking at your competitors and say, well, we can't do this, that makes them better. Well, if we get better, why does it matter? We got to all go play the game. Yeah. We don't like Orlando. If they don't like Orlando Brown for some reason, hey, maybe they know something we don't. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's that. I think it's either a salary cap thing or they think they've got a replacement in-house. And if they do, then they've strengthened their, their team and their organization. So you can't worry about what somebody else does. Fair enough. Because who knows who's going to do what with those draft picks as well. What if, in theory – that, that draft pick that the Chiefs just gave to the Ravens ends up being Travis Etienne. Mm-hmm. I mean, and Travis Etienne goes in there and becomes a top five running back in the league. Yeah. Then, then is it a bad trade? Then do the Chiefs look stupid for trading the first round pick? No, because they bettered their team. Right. So and I, I don't like the idea of one team wins a trade. I, I look at see that. Wins. I mean, you, you look back another Chiefs trade a couple of years ago. I mean, it looked really bad at the time when the Bills traded that number 10 pick and the Chiefs got Mahomes out of it. But then the Bills ended up with Josh Allen a year later. No one's questioning the Bills about that. I mean, you can't, again, you can't worry about what the other guy's doing. You can worry about what you're doing. Sure. And that's the way to look at it. You do it that way, you just don't worry about it. You just, I, I think you do have to make some trades in the draft. I think a good general manager is going to make some deals, move in and out to get the players they want that are the best fits, especially at the top of the draft. Top of it being the first round, early second. Yeah. You know, there's a huge drop off from there. But then you have to kind of get in and out, get the player you want. But then also to build your team that way. I mean, it's, there's no art. The, the people who just sit there and pick when it's their turn are just dummies. Mm-hmm. They're the same. Hey, look, the Bengals just sit there and pick in the same spot every year. And they're in the top five every year. And they still don't deserve Joe Burrow. There it is. Everybody, Take a drink. I got to <laughs> I'm telling you. And, and, but it's those kind of things. It's like, okay, well, and if you're a good team, it doesn't matter if you trade out of the first round. 
You know, if you're you're a Chiefs fan, if you're pissed because you don't have the long third night, the New England Patriots did that for 10 years. And how many championships did they win? Just a few. They never trade up. They're going to trade up this year, but they don't ever trade up. Right. It's not about the sexy pick. It's about building your team and getting it better. Right. And, and so that's where, like, I, I slightly disagree with you when you say, hey, this is taking candy from a baby. But at the same time, man, if both teams, I think both teams made a really good deal. At first, when you and I were talking about it earlier, I said, man, the Chiefs gave up a lot. And then I looked at it and I went, no, this is why they did. This is why it makes sense. Now, again, I will agree with you if the Ravens spend one of those two picks on an offensive tackle. Mm-hmm. Then yeah, I will then agree. You, still have to go, yeah, you, you have to replace because it was, around Because then it was purely a salary cap move. Then. Right. It was purely a – and you yeah. don't do that. That's the worst place to do a salary cap move. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, how about the move that Carolina made – trading Teddy Bridgewater. They get just a sixth-round pick out of Teddy. Um, you know, they brought in uh, Sam Darnold uh, a couple weeks ago. Really good value trade. You and I were fans of that. To me, this was more about Denver here and the pressure that's on Drew Locke now. I, I would say, too, Bo, that you bring in Teddy. You got Drew Locke there. I've never been high on Drew Locke. I still wouldn't even roll out them using that that top 10 pick they have on a quarterback either. I think that uh, Denver has waved the white flag on Drew Locke at this point here. I mean, his days in Denver are uh, are close to being done here at this point. Uh, Teddy, not not bad for a six-round pick. I, that, that, that's a good find for a Denver there. Yeah, a guy with one year left on his deal at $16 million if you can afford it, you know, cap-wise. You know, I guess it looks like they can. Uh, the Broncos can. So if they can afford it, Great, good for them. Um, I don't think it's a bad deal, and I think it, it's twofold. One, it gives Drew Locke someone he has to compete against. But I think you're right that the Broncos may still draft a quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, if they can get one, if one falls to them, I don't see them trading up. But if one of those guys drops to them, I can see that. But what I think it also puts in play is the possibility of Denver at nine being one of the spots that a team trades into you know, for New England to look at and go, okay, do I need to trade there or do I now need to trade in front of Carolina? Because now, you know, Carolina's looking for a quarterback now. Unless they think Sam Darnold's the guy. Sam Darnold's only got one more year on his contract. So now we brought into this point. We've got the eight and the nine picks in the Carolina and the Broncos are now two more destinations for young quarterbacks. Yeah. These five quarterbacks are not escaping the top ten. It's just not going to happen. We're going to see once four happens, we're going to see trades. If the Falcons trade, then we'll see a couple more. We'll see one more try to get in front of both Denver and Denver and Carolina, or we'll see Denver jump in front of Carolina. You know, they may, that may have already been part of the talk too, saying, Hey, you know, we don't know what you guys are going to do, but here's what we might be thinking. And we're all looking at this. So, It'd be interesting. I don't know. That, that trade's a good trade. I think a better trade for Denver at this point. I mean, you basically gave up nothing. To, I mean, a sixth for a quarterback who can be your starting quarterback. You know, and if you don't like the guy a year from now, he won't be on your team. And what did you give up? Give up a sixth. I can live with that. 
Um, if you're Carolina, it's a little bit of a salary cap dump, I guess. And saying, well, Sam Darnold, you're our guy. Yeah. You know, so maybe they're thinking that Joe Brady's going to fix Sam Darnold, which has to be the thinking at this point for them. And I think he will. I think that that's the best thing to happen to Sam Darnold is be working with Joe Brady at this point. Yeah. I mean, Sam Darnold's got every talent you can have as far as arm strength, smart quarterback. He's still young. You know, and he went to the Jets, which has been a dumpster fire. Right. I and mean, there's a reason they pick second or third every year. I mean, they're worse than the Bengals. And, and yeah. it's just one of those things that, I mean, you look at them and go, man, if I'm Sam Darnold, that's like being thrown a life preserver. Mm-hmm. Oh, not only do I get to get out of New York and play for the city Jets, but I also get to go play with Joe Brady, the guy who helped turn Joe Burrow around? Right. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, yeah. Gonna be uh, we got just a little bit of time left. Uh, One-year deal for Antonio Brown to uh, stay in Tampa Bay. I uh, imagine uh, Tom's pretty happy about that. Uh, see, uh, Brady gets to hold on to another weapon here. Yeah, load the weapons up. Don't worry about the cart. Just or about the horse, just load the cart. They're going to keep getting left. This is going to be the team that's going to be scouring. The Bucks are going to be scouring training camp at the cuts. And anytime a big-name player or one of those veteran type of players comes open, the first phone call they're going to get is from the Bucks. The Bucks are going to try to reload just one more time, get every little bullet you can get. You know, a guy and say, hey, we'll bring you in. And Yeah, you may not start, but at the end of the season – when you're in here, you're going to get a Super Bowl. You're going to get a chance at yeah. Super Bowl. Yeah. That's what happened last year. That's mm-hmm. they did. And they're going to do it again. They're going to try the same formula. Yeah, I think so. And it's, uh, it's a good formula. It's a good deal for Antonio Brown. Mm-hmm. You know, good for Antonio. I'm happier for Antonio Brown because I don't see anybody else giving him $6 million. Yeah. I think you're right about that. And uh, you look at, too, with his history and such, uh, he got to be kind of – under the radar, the tension was taken off of him, actually, in Tampa, as, as crazy as that was. So, Paul, we're out of time. Appreciate you joining us. Enjoy the draft, my friend, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. And thank you. A couple more things before we get out of here today. Let's talk about the Kansas football coaching search. So it sounds like that, according to reports, the goal for Kansas football is to have a new head coach named in time for the spring football game which is taking place this Saturday. And we're getting down to the very end of things. Uh, Apparently came out that Skip Holtz out of Louisiana Tech will not be the next head coach at Kansas. Thank goodness. Um, But it looks like from all indications that it's down to two different candidates at this point. One of those is Army head coach, Uh, the one and only Jeff Munkin, who has done a tremendous job with that Army program. And if you recall, they were not beating Navy for a long time, and that program was struggling. He comes in, and they've been beating Navy regularly. They've been contending for eight, nine, ten-win seasons. It's been a remarkable job. And they've been competing with the best of the best. I mean, they almost beat Oklahoma a couple years ago. They've been winning big-time bowl games. He's done a great job. And then, you know, we always talk about the triple option when it comes to the Army. It's more than that. Their defense was the number one ranked defense in all of college football last year. Um, It goes both ways. The way that they've been doing things at Army, it's been tremendous. The other name is uh, Lance uh, 
Lapold, who is the head coach at Buffalo. And he's had some success there at Buffalo. But the big story is what he has done early on in his coaching career. Before he was at Buffalo, he won not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, six national championships at the D3 level. Now, granted, yes, it's D3. I get that and such. But you win six national titles anywhere, and it was a very short period of time. You win six national titles anywhere, you have my attention. So uh, with that being said, you know, I don't know a whole lot about Lance Leopold, in all honesty, um, you know, of what he's done at Buffalo. I know his name's come up and such, but I, I've been on this from the beginning of wanting Jeff Munkin to come into Kansas. And the talk is that if Jeff Munkin comes to Kansas, that they're not actually going to run the triple option, that he wants to run a, a spread power option similar to what Coastal Carolina does, and that that would be the direction that they want to go and you know play the same defense that they do at Army and bring his defensive coordinator with him and such. And at first, I'm like, well – you know, don't you want to dance with the girl that got you there? I mean, uh, for Kansas, this is a program that is just looking to win uh, enough games to be bowl eligible. If you take Kansas to a bowl game, they might build a statue for you there at Lawrence. I mean, that's realistic here, folks. I mean, that's how low the expectation is. The, the And then, if you think about it, running a triple option against those Big 12 defenses, although vastly improved the last couple of years – Still, that would be quite the challenge for most of them to face if they have to prepare for the triple option. But it sounds like that they want to go this direction, uh, that they feel like, you know, in Moncton size, it gives them a bigger chance to compete if they were to do more of that type of game compared to a triple option. And I'm sure there would be some triple option elements involved in it too. With all that being said, um, I would expect something very soon. I hope Jeff Monken's the guy. Um, I don't mind that they wouldn't be running the triple option. Uh, to me, it sounds like a win-win. And, and Jeff Monken, you know, the other thing you're going to get is discipline too. Um, they don't get called for too many penalties there in Army. They are, they are well-fundamental, well-sound football. You're going to clean up the Kansas program and be – on the right track in a lot of ways. We know that the talent level is much improved from when Les Miles got there. You put this system in place, you put a renewed energy, renewed focus on running the football and being a physical football team in a finesse conference, there's an opening there. Um, this to me is the hire you need to make. Um, and if Jeff Munkin doesn't work, I don't know what will at this point. I mean, you have literally tried every single possible scenario. He's a younger coach. No one else is going to give Jeff Munkin this opportunity in the Power Five. You have a unique situation here where you can hire a very good coach and bring in a new system, a new way of doing things, and no one else is going to be doing something like you are. To me, it's, it's the hire that makes sense here, Tom. Yeah, you know, I was thinking the same thing. Uh, I mean, he's your your top option in my mind. I mean, he has to be. Um, and, and 
you know what, hell, come in and run the triple option for a year. You mentioned, you know, why not dance with the girl that got you there? You know what, we we talk about fans, not not KU fans, talk about KU like a novelty. So why not just run the novelty triple option just one year just so we can see it done in the Big 12? I would love that. And KU would be the school to do it. Um I, I get his aspirations, though, to, you know, run a different – something different. You know, you know if, it, if he's tackled the triple option, you almost beat OU a few years ago. Uh, I mean, this guy, I think, could come in and do it. Uh, and, you know, sure, we said good things about Les Miles coming in. I, I think there was some intention there, some good, you know, chance to bring back. And then, obviously, what happened, it didn't just – obviously, it didn't work out. But – Munkin's probably, I would assume, and from here and you and just reading up on it just now, seems like the guy. You know, I was thinking, though, Jones, when you brought this up, that there, really when we first had talked about this, I feel like uh, we mentioned Seth Luttrell. Did that just fall through or did not come down to it at all or what? Seth Luttrell's kind of disappointed the last couple of years. Um, that's kind of really what happened. Um, you know, they – had a great run there with Mason Fine for, you know, a few years. And then um, things just haven't gone as planned the last couple of years. I think that in Seth Petrell's case, his name just fell off the radar of universities. You know, he had a chance. He was offered the Kansas State job, and he was offered some other high-profile jobs. And, you know, there was interest in this Kansas job when it was open last time around in a Seth Luttrell, uh, you know, that it was, uh, but it never really went anywhere because Seth Luttrell was not interested in that job. And so, um, yeah, it's gone with Seth. I like Seth, but he's just kind of disappointed the last couple of years. I mean, this past year, Clint Bowen, formerly of Kansas was his defensive coordinator and, uh, they really struggled and, you know, Clint ended up having to be the fall guy. He got fired. So, um, that's where things are at as far as that goes with Seth. But nonetheless, um, you know, this is – I think that you can realistically look at this is the last hope. This is the the Hail Mary play for Kansas football um, is to go this route, give Jeff Monk in the shots, see what you can do. If you can turn this program around. You got a quarterback in Jalen Daniels who was recruited by Jeff Monk in an army. He can come in, run this system that Jeff wants to do. He's the perfect quarterback for it. Um, why not? Why not at this point? You got a new athletic director and a Travis Goff who's taken over, comes in from Northwestern and such here. Um, the other thing, too, is that, you know, you, you want to excite the fan base. That's one thing that's talked about. You know, the detractors on Munkin are going to say that, the triple option or this power option, whatever it looks like is going to be gimmicky and it's not going to be exciting and such. That's what the biggest detractors are going to say here. Well, you know what? Uh, screw them. Screw them, right? I mean, the, the biggest thing you can do, the most, I don't care how entertaining or flashy it is. If you win, you win. If it works, by all means, do it. So, um, if that's your knock on Munkin is that you, you don't think it's flashy enough that, 
it's it's not sexy to do that type of scheme, then uh, then you just don't know football. I mean, you, you got to get creative sometimes. I mean, the the, the job is not to uh, you know be the most attractive looking. It's to win football games. So this is not a beauty contest. This is uh, this is football. You know, I mean. Uh, as, as Belichick says, you know, stats are for losers, scoreboards for winners. Um, you're looking for not the prettiest way to win, but to win. And that's what Munkin brings to the table. I mean, yeah, he does. Uh, two things here. Um, you, you mentioned not a sexy hire. I mean, at KU right now, that KU job is, you know, uh, not getting very many likes on Tinder. <laughs> uh, so to speak, you know, there's, there's, I mean, no one's buying KU's yeah, yeah, no, yeah, they're like, no one's not even for three dollars a month type subscription here, and I mean, no one's even looking. Um, so I mean, as far as sexy goes, I mean, you, you don't, there's not a whole lot to pick from. Um, you get a guy who comes from a school obviously that's built on discipline. Uh, another thing you mentioned, and I thought, well, what what do you do? What would happen? Uh, you say this is KU's Hail Mary shot. This is the last hope. Well, what happens if it doesn't work out? I mean, obviously they keep trying, but I mean, it's it's it does feel like the last hope, but it's not like they're going to, you know, render themselves the death penalty. They're like, you know what? We'll just go ahead and be like you know, Villanova, or we'll be, we'll, we'll just remove ourselves from the playing field. This is KU's last hope in the sense of um, if you want any shot at putting the next round of conference realignment in your own hands. Um, that's, that's a good way to put it. It is closer than we think, I believe. I mean, like, because here's the deal. Here, here's what you're looking at, essentially. If you don't get this football program going and, you know, give them the tools necessary to get on track and become an attractive potential member for somebody, your only hope is that the Big 12 survives and that Oklahoma and Texas stay in the league and that you can ride their coattails and continue to keep that TV contract going. If you get this higher right with Munkin and can establish a good football program, then you're looking at, okay, now we're somewhat attractive. If the big 12 folds, if Oklahoma and Texas leave, we might be somebody that is looked at of, Hey, we're going to bring the Kansas city market. We got, you know, one, a blue blood basketball program, you know, a, a, a decent, good enough football program, that's, you know, redoing their facilities, that's on the rise of some sorts here. That's what I mean by that is as far as the last hoorah goes, um, you know, you are, you're taking things out of your own hands if you don't get it right right now. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 would, I would have to concur there. I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, something's got to give. That, I mean, something has to give or you're you're on the, you know, you're on maybe maybe in talks of uh, the old man Gino curse or something. <laughs> I think. Are, is, are, are we going to 
Are we going to start talking about curses? Because the, the, the I mean, it, it does not, not even sound like a good curse. You oh, had yeah, the Bambino had the, curse. You had the curse of the Bambino, and now KU's in the curse of the Mangino. I love it. Yeah, that's it. That is it. That's a tweet. Book it. The old curse of the Mangino. What, how desperate would KU have to be to bring him back? Oh, uh, do you think that got tossed around in, in the old meeting room? Oh, that's been tossed around, I'm sure. Um, but Mangino's living his best life in Naples, Florida, right now. He doesn't want anything to do with that job. Is he? Is he still getting paid? No, he's not getting paid, but he's made plenty of money. He's enjoying himself. Oh yeah, so that is like the retirement spot for former Kansas. Coaches to say less miles for fired Kansas coaches. They all live in Naples. Uh, between uh, when's Beatty moving? Beatty still lives in Lawrence. There you go. I'm sure. I'm sure he'll make his way to Naples. I don't think he's of age to move to Naples yet. Oh well, and think about this: Jeff Long and Lou Perkins, two former Kansas ads now still live in Lawrence and David Beatty's in Lawrence. And then you got Mark Mangino and Les Miles living in Naples. I mean, basically that's your options. If you get fired from Kansas, you can stay in town or you can move to Naples. Well, maybe, uh, maybe, uh, maybe Beatty will, uh, maybe he'll move to Jupiter. (laughs) Go hang out with Tiger. There you go. Maybe Robert Kraft. That sounds like fun. Moving on to the NBA. The NBA playoffs are getting old so close. And I want to focus on these these play-in tournaments first. If the playoffs began today, we would have play-in tournaments featuring in the East, Miami, Charlotte, Indiana, and Washington. And then in the West, it would be Portland, Memphis, San Antonio, and Golden State. Um, now, what's interesting here is that, you know, when, when the play-in tournament thing was thrown around, Tom, it seemed like it was something that was purely for entertainment purposes only, that the NFL was the, – the NBA, rather, was looking for just an extra buck here. But I look at these teams involved, in particular in the East – Miami's not a bad team. I know they're three games above 500, but we've seen what they're capable of. You know, just about six months ago, you know, they almost won an NBA championship. Golden State, I know they're 500, but, I mean, they got some players. Uh, You know, that's not a bad 10 seed. Um, Portland, uh, you know, we we know they got some talent that they're capable of, you know, that they could be – you know, on their best day could be a Western Conference Finals type team here. I mean, these play-in tournaments actually have some decent implications if these are the matchups, uh, if these matchups hold right now. Yeah, and you, you say that Wednesday night, uh, the Spurs in, in Miami played. So, I mean, there's a quite a few games going on right now in, in the final we're coming up on the final 15 16 days of the, of the regular season where a lot of these teams that are in the play and are playing you know uh against each other and so it's 
it's coming down. I mean, every game, at least to the teams mentioned that you mentioned is, is counting, you know, uh, the Warriors, you know, has, have been going off. Steph Curry's been doing what he can, but they just got out their ass, ass absolutely kicked by the Mavs the other night. Uh, they're kind of hot and cold. Uh, you know, same with the Spurs. And you, you mentioned Miami's only a few games above 500. They can be hot and cold. So, you know, some of these teams, this playing is going to be very interesting. Um and will they keep it after this year? I mean, who knows? Maybe so. More basketball that'll be, you know, fun to watch. And, and they already found a presenting sponsor in State Farm. So I would assume that's a good sign this playing tournament's probably here to stay, that they're making a little extra cash on it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I could I could see them keeping it and sticking around. And And how many, you know, What's what's going to be the, you know, implication for these teams wanting to make the playoffs only to get bounced out once they make it in? You know, how many teams, who's going to be fighting for the playoff spot when you could bounce out and get a higher pick? Uh, is, is that going to take some precedence? I mean, uh, are some of these teams going to essentially tank if they get into the play-in or get to the play-in and then tank to get a better pick? Um, that'll be interesting to see. Um, but you know, who, what, you know, what if the Warriors get to play and no one's going to want to see them. Right. I mean, some of these people are going to be, you know, these other teams are going to be watching thinking, please don't let it be the Warriors. <laughs> uh, and you know, and maybe in the East, some teams are going to might, might be like, well, please don't let it be Miami. Uh, you know, just because we know what they're capable of. So, uh, I think it's going to be interesting from a, the the other team's perspective to say like, well, you know, you know, they're going to be rooting for an easier path. So I'm excited for it. Obviously, I have a little skin in the game with the Spurs being right there. Um, do so, you want to see the Spurs in the playoffs, or do you want to see the higher draft pick at this point? You know, and it's I've, I go back and forth to be honest with you all the time. I go back and forth between it, and I'm thinking, well, you know, we don't have a really good shot at this. Uh, you know, we, you know, missed the playoffs last year for the first time ever since I've been a fan, uh, like 22 years in a freaking row. Um, so, you know what? They, they get Devin Vassell last year, and he's been pretty decent. You know, nothing over the top good, but he did have a career high or, you know, I guess this is his only career so far, only one year, but 19 points the other night, not terrible. And it's fun, I guess, to see a higher draft and, and to see what the Spurs can do because usually they draft so well. But uh, I kind of want the Spurs to make the playoffs. I, you know, DeRozan might be leaving after this season and, Obviously, LaMarcus left the Spurs, but it didn't really matter because of heart condition. He was going to be gone either way. Um, so, it's uh, if the changing of the guard didn't happen two years ago, uh, it's definitely fixing to happen. So, maybe one more playoffs before the Spurs go in the absolute sh**. Um, who knows? Uh, so, 
I'm wishy-washy. They lost to the Heat. I don't want them to make the playoffs. They beat the Wizards in overtime the other night. I want them to go to the playoffs. It's uh, it's very love-hate right now, me and the Spurs. Yeah, and uh, still Kawhi Leonard's fault, right? It's all, it'll always be Kawhi and his uncle's <laughs> fault. They're not welcome in San Antonio. Oh, maybe even more than uh, Charles Barkley not being welcome there. Um, Brooklyn is You're not right. place in the East. This was the inevitable, right? I mean, th- this feels like the beginning of the end for everybody else in the Eastern Conference now. Yeah, you would you would think. Uh, you know, we knew it was going to happen eventually, but uh, you know, Philly gave it a good run there for a while. And you know what? I you know we talk about the East, and and I'll bring this up too. The Knicks are fixing to get in the playoffs for the first time in a long time. Who also hasn't been in the playoffs in a decade? The Phoenix Suns, and they have clinched a playoff spot as of Wednesday night. Uh, Jones, that's pretty big. I mean, we got the Knicks and the Suns both going to be in the playoffs. Um, is it a changing of the guard in the NBA? Are new teams, you know, coming in and, and taking over where they had sucked for so long? Is that what we're seeing, or are the Suns going back? to being bad after CP, CP3 uh, leaves town. Well, you have to give credit for Chris Paul for what he did with Oklahoma City last year and now with Phoenix this year and everywhere. He's yeah, it's, the CP3, it's the CP3 effect. Yeah, he's been an absolute winner everywhere he's been. Um, so Chris Paul deserves some credit, but you think about it. You know, Brooklyn, there are new kids on the block. Miami last year, new kids on the block. The Lakers haven't been relevant uh, for a long time. I mean, this resurgence of the Lakers is only two years in. Remember, they missed the playoffs the first year LeBron was there. Um, you know, the the way we talk about Utah now, we haven't seen them as this high in quite some time. The NBA, you know, it doesn't seem that long ago, Tom, looked like it was dominated by Golden State and what they were doing. And now here we are. Um, I mean, yes, Brooklyn and the Lakers have super teams of their own, and they're the favorites. But the league, the balance of it, the, the uh, shift has taken place pretty quickly. I mean, this Brooklyn roster feels like it's adding pieces every week. I mean, it, we're still – figuring them out and such. I mean, the NBA is changing rapidly. And is it is it good? I don't know if the super teams are good necessarily. It does. You know, granted, they're not all going to the same spot. They, they do seem to switch up the teams. And, you know, what seemed like maybe a 10-year dynasty that the Golden State Warriors could have had now, you know, has, has shifted just a little bit. Granted, Clay Thompson injured – who knows if he'll be anywhere close to the same player. Draymond Green's been playing like shit, and Steph Curry's just doing whatever he can to keep him relevant. But, um, you know, what I like to see, and as much as it pains me, last time the Suns made the playoffs, Steve Nash and Amari Stoudemire were on that team. I was still in high school the last time Suns made the playoffs. The Knicks, uh, you know, I can't – did they they made the playoffs maybe when Carmelo first got there? 
Phil Jackson was coaching, maybe. I, I, I don't remember. I can't even remember the last good Knicks team. Um, so I like in, in the Knicks, they're, you know, Julius Randle's been carrying that team, but, um, you know, I like to see a team that's built, not bought. Um, so I like to see Phoenix do well as long as the Spurs don't have a shot. Um, and I like to see the Jazz right now. They've kind of built. And, and you know what sucks because Murray's out for Denver. Denver's kind of built, got something going there and, and kind of built that up. I like that. I like to see that for teams to, you know, and had, had struggled for so long and then finally catch a break and then start building something. I think that's a lot better for the NBA than, you know, everyone, you know, hey, everyone's going to Brooklyn, everyone jump in. Uh, you know, I'm not a fan of that. And, you know, you can say what you want, good things about KD or bad things, but uh, he seems to be the, I mean, you could say LeBron was the guy that started it all, but Kevin Durant more than anything, has he, has he ever not played on a super team? No. Right. You know, I mean, granted, you know, it's like he's, he's probably should be seen more as a, a, a villain than he than he even is now. Um, granted, one of the greatest players to ever do it, but at the same time, when we're looking at good good for the league or health wise for the league, I don't think the super team thing, you know, and maybe it's because my team's not a super team and not winning. Maybe if if my favorite team was the Nets, I would be super high. I'm sure some of those Nets fans are super. I'm sure all of them are. You go from, you know, the the best player the Nets have ever had, maybe Jason Kidd, and for a brief portion of time, Richard Jefferson, uh, way back, and then now you have this. Sure, you know, maybe it's the comeuppance for everyone else beating your ass for 20 years, but um, still, it's uh, – I think, Jones, for the entire health of the league, we would rather see the Phoenixes, the Knicks – yeah, and uh, and the Utah Jazz type of teams rather than the Knicks or not the Knicks, sorry, the Nets, uh, and and the Lakers type situation. Right. But it's the whole thing of surprise, you know. Even Utah, I know Utah's been good, but I mean, we thought for certain that you know Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell were going to be split by this point, and actually they've. Worked out fine together ever since what happened last year. Nobody saw that coming. Um, you know, the Knicks, you know, it's the, it's the element of surprise. Julius Randle being the most improved player in the league. Nobody saw that coming. Um, it's these type of things that we certainly uh, enjoy uh, as far as that goes. So before we get out of here today, time for our Tom Fulry story of the week. Tom, where shall we head to this time? Jones, there's a couple – and I only pick one, but there are some good stories this week. I'll read you the ones I was going to pick, um, but we'll, we won't read. I'll leave it up to you. There's some solid ones this week. Man arrested at JFK airport after 35 birds intended for singing contests found in his clothing. That was going to be one. Thief steals goods worth $47,000 successfully escapes in a stolen garbage truck uh you know there's there's a lot on here i mean 
Uh, Seattle Axe Throwing Venue gets approval to begin serving alcohol. That's one of my favorites. Um, but Jones, we're gonna go, and this maybe is a theme. I feel like we're getting we're we're getting into a theme here, and I'm okay with it. Um, you know, there's there's a couple stories that stick out in my mind that are related to this one was the sewage train. You remember that story? The sewage train going oh, yeah. through the town and making it smell. That one, and then obviously this one's more recent, the one where you can send in your poop for beer. I never heard back on that, by the way. Um, this one also you. has to do... I, I guess... Well, I never got... To, I never sent in the poop. Um, I applied to poop in a cup to send it off for beer and didn't get it. Um... But Jones, this is uh, this comes out of Detroit, no less, and this also has to do with bathroom tendencies. Man builds poop wall in Washtenaw County after dispute with neighbor. Okay, not Detroit, but close enough. Lodi Township, Michigan. Eight, no, there's no way. This, this, I'm reading this for the first time too. I was just going off headlines, but. Lodi Township, Michigan, a 250-foot-long wall of poop divides two properties in Lodi Township. It's a smelly fence that Wayne Lambart says his farmer neighbor built after a dispute. Normally, they spread it out on the field, but they decided to make a fence out of it. Lambart's grandfather developed the farm 100 years ago, but the property was divided, and there was a dispute over the property line last year. That's when the manure appeared close to the house. It's just a shit pile over there, Jaden Swarshall said. <laughs> Lambert, <laughs> right? There's a there's a picture of it, and it looks disgusting. Lambert has tenants living in the house who are forced to deal with smelling the cow poop wall every day. It's like you can't leave the window open. The whole upstairs will smell like it. Coin Gatto said. Gatto and Schwartzel live in the home and have complained about the smell of poop. When asked about the poop wall, the neighbor who built it said, it's not a poop wall, it's a compost fence. <laughs> he was also told that his neighbor did not like the poop, to which he responded something inaudible about not liking the price of milk before he got back to the work on his farm. While the poop is a disgusting nu a nuisance, local officials say nothing can be done about it because it is on the neighbor's property. <laughs> Jones, a freaking poop wall. A poop wall. This reminds uh, me of uh, Joe Dirt. You've seen Joe Dirt, right? Right. Remember when he thinks he fi finds that uh, meteor and he's dragging it around everywhere on that uh, that wagon, and then he even like eats off of it, and somebody tells him, "Actually, that's a just a giant ball of poop." Right. I mean this. <laughs> And the wall, it doesn't look super tall, but it, it does look long and it looks absolutely disgusting. Top Reddit comments, kind of disappointed that Buddy wasn't out there laying one log at a time. <laughs> uh, mention of Florida, that surprised it's not in Florida. Uh, Jones, I, I mean, they said nothing can be done about it. Nothing can be done. You know, I think the best thing is that I want to know how old the guy is that's building the poop wall. He called it a compost fence. Um, and this is just some some age-old, 
you know, neighborly wars. Um, but for the guy that builds the poop wall, he's got to be old. Oh, yeah. that sounds like an old, just one of them old bastards that you can't do anything about. Um, you know, we, I don't even know what to say. Honestly, it's it's listed on our, it's on Reddit, R not the onion. Um, you know, several times. Um, and Jones, I feel like, you know, I mentioned it earlier, we always do some poop stories or something like that, but it always seems to be some form of the same story. Uh, I mean, get this, here's another one. Uh, bars in Lithuania running out of beer after post-lockdown reopening. Jones, there was another one I saw today. We just want to get crazy on the headline stories here. That Bud Light is giving out 100,000 tickets to games. Um, and there was some other portion of Tom Fuller to that. But it was something ridiculous. Um, did, there's so there's there's a lot of good ones this week. This is it might be the full moon. Um, also on the Jones, I don't know if you saw this on our not the onion like the onion is satire. So that's hence the name. But I don't know if you saw Jones. This isn't Tom Fullery. Biden expected to ban menthol cigarettes. I don't know if you saw that. I did not see that. Which I could not believe it earlier. I was like, there's no way that's going to happen. Uh, but sure enough, they're looking to announce it later on. Um, Jones, there's a... Uh, oh, here you go. We'll do one more tomfoolery, just for the fun of it. Um, this is kind of like my Mel Kuyper comment earlier. Denver gets a gay sports bar just in time for spring season. Jones, just guess what the bar's called. Let's see. Oh, uh, I don't know. What do you got? It's called, you know, we we talked about the importance of this position earlier on the show. The bar's called Tight End. <laughs> tight End. And, and there are other bars it's on Colfax. Uh, no, but there should be. Um, let's see what. What the old? Let's see what what else is on there. Uh, there's, I mean, the, the obviously the name's funny, but there's nothing of substance in that article. Or you know, there's just talks about the bar. Jones, a lot of good stories. Must be the full moon this week. Um, By the way, but I looked at that thing, that super pink moon. I wasn't too impressed. I mean, it's like it's just a moon, like that. Why do people get so hyped about the moon? I mean, you know, it just sits up there in the sky. It's just this big old thing of rocks that sits up there. I mean, there's nothing spectacular about the moon. The moon is highly overrated. You're not a fan. I like the moon, but I I like to see like a a nice harvest moon or something. Um, Would you be more interested in the moon if they found a poop wall on the moon? Sure, absolutely. Why do we even waste our time going to the moon? What did we discover? Right. I mean, why go to the moon when you can go to Lodi Township and see the 250-foot-long poop wall? <laughs> right. Exactly. Just the little things in life. That's all. So, 
On that note, we will run. Big thanks to uh, Nick Cousin for joining us. Also, uh, Coach Bo for stopping by. Uh, we appreciate uh, both of them for uh, joining us. Subscribe to the show. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. And you can find us on uh, social media, facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live, uh, Tyler Jones Media Group, Instagram, Jones underscore report, Tyler Jones Live, Insta Thomas, Twitter at Tyler Jones Live at uh, Thomas underscore Bridges, and a TJ Media Group is where you can find us there. And uh, we'll see you all back here next week. Tom, another show in the books, another week. Uh, and uh, you know what? When, next week, it's going to be May. It's going to be May. <laughs> and I think that's a perfect way to end today. We'll see you in May here on the Jones Report. So long, everybody.